Warning, this episode contains foul language, disturbing facts about the U.S. government, and should only be listened to on a secure line. You are listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. This week, we're going to be sharing our favorite conspiracy theories. And we're really, really excited. Government cover-ups, celebrity murders, secret facilities, undercover agents, and so much more. It's about to get crazy in here. My name is Lauren, and this is my lovely co-host, Ashley. Hi. Hi, weirdos. And today we have a listener favorite returning for his third time. It's Handsome Joe. Handsome Joe. What's popping? <laughs> <laughs> or Romantic Joe now, I think. I think oh. you've reclaimed or renamed yourself. I'm just garnering a cavalcade of flattering uh-huh. <laughs> pseudonyms. There this could is... be way worse things happening. Yeah, to you. I've, I've had worse nicknames than Handsome Joe. Handsome Joe, that. Romantic Joe. Why is it changing Joe? to Romantic Joe? Give us an example. Well, remember last, uh, remember last week's episode or two weeks ago's episode when I told you guys about the gift he got me for Christmas? That is true. Mm-hmm. You and are romantic. Was like, oh, He's romantic, Joe. Now just crushed it. Yeah, just just absolutely crushed Christmas this year. I felt I felt really good about it going in, and then after the fact, just felt even better about it. You nailed it. Yeah, I also I I feel like I also did really. You did. You. I mean, you you nail it every year. I just it was very important to me this Christmas that I that I narrowed the gap between the two of us as far as gift giving ability and uh, the fact that I did that that was good enough for me. But. Back to the topic at hand. I am genuinely uh, very excited to be back on the podcast. Yeah. Thank, thank you for having me. We love having you. Yeah. Your episodes are always mind blowing. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be sure to to drop some some more knowledge bombs on on the listeners at home, and I won't be I won't be talking uh, about aliens this time, or will I? Or will he? Will he? Uh, dun, dun, dun. I, 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 I won't. Oh, okay. Well, I will. Spoiler so, alert. <laughs> <laughs> I or actually, will I? I'm just going to periodically do that throughout the episode. Just say it all throughout. Before we start, I actually stumbled upon, because Joe, the last two episodes that you were on were alien episodes. We mm-hmm. talked all about the possibility. We talked about crop circles. We mm-hmm. talked about um, abductions and UFOs and the possibility that they have visited us, et cetera, et cetera. We argued about it. We laughed about it. It was a lot of fun. I found a theory that I had never really thought about before um, about alien life that I wanted to share with you guys because I think it's super fascinating to think about. Sock Are you it, ready? Sock it to me. Okay. I'm scared. Don't be scared. Lauren. Okay. I would say, and I could be wrong, but I would say the biggest argument against alien life existing is that if they have the type of technology that would enable them to travel across the universe to get to us, what would they gain from observing us? 
we can't teach them anything. So therefore, it's not plausible that they would have that we have been or that we are being visited by aliens. Right. That's the biggest argument, Mm -hmm. I would say. Sure. Pretty close. I think that's fair. Yeah. It's at least one of them. Yeah, it's one of the... Oh, you okay? Oh, my. Yeah, I, uh, I just hiccuped so violently that I almost had to bow out of the rest of this podcast. <laughs> I almost needed to go to the walk-in clinic right now <laughs> for a for a, a ruptured uh, abdomen. <laughs> I thought you were about to cry. You are like, that's one of them. <laughs> that was, wow, that was that's terrible. One of the, right? Oh, my God, they're listening. <laughs> okay, so, however, if you look at our own planet, look at the Amazon... So the Amazon is home to many primitive tribes of people that we are purposefully preserving for observation, but mostly just for the sake of preservation. So, of course, the Amazon is becoming vastly smaller and smaller with deforestation and expanding cities. So as of about 2015, the governments holding the responsibility for these isolated tribes are having to come up with plans for making first contact. First contact. They have no idea that electricity exists. They have no idea that American Idol is a thing. This is first contact. They, you know, there are pictures of them like planes fly over and they're like pointing their bows and arrows at the planes because they don't know what the hell they are. Yeah, sure. To them, it's like a god flying through the sky. It's very scary. So these people know nothing of the world that they live on. Um, They know nothing outside of the small community that they live in. And the only reason they will be contacted, there's a strict no contact rule. In fact, most of these places have strict no flyover rules is because their home is at risk, which may be a good theory about how UFO sightings and alien encounters have been steadily on the rise. We're running out of natural resources and getting dangerously close to losing our home. So... You know, if you think about it, in Brazil, there are 67 uncontacted tribes that we know of Mm -hmm. just in Brazil. 67 tribes of people that are not contacted by anyone outside of their tribe. So what if the aliens who are observing us are indigenous rights activists of the universe and they are protecting us, a primitive race, and trying to be seen as little as possible in order to preserve our way of life? We're doing the exact same thing on our planet. Why is it so hard to believe that there are beings out there who are doing that to us? Yeah, I mean, especially considering the fact that the overwhelming majority of UFO sightings and documentation occurs within miles of nuclear testing facilities. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've I've certainly heard crazier theories than yeah, that one. Yeah, I actually don't hate that. I mean, I think, I think to me that would be like the most plausible. Because like I said, like if they have the technology to get here, they're not coming here to like observe us to be like, ooh, what can we learn? Yeah, they it's, don't it's, need to learn far it's, beyond it's, us. Yeah, it's obvious that they're not trying to learn anything from us and given, you know, just the nature of physics and how it works and, you know, what they would need to be technologically capable of mm-hmm. to get here. They're if If they are in fact coming... They don't mean us any harm because they could have easily eradicated. They us would have by killed now. us a long time right. ago. So yeah, well, so it, 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 it bears. You know, I think that's I think that's pretty pretty legitimate that for one reason or another they're just supervising us, mm-hmm. whether or not it's to protect us well, from ourselves or mm-hmm. to make sure that we don't develop to the point where we become a threat to them. Some something or even you know if you think about it, you know some of the reasons that we study these primitive tribes is that we're trying to learn more about where we came from. We're trying to learn more about human evolution, how we start to develop new thoughts and ideas and religions, etc. And you can learn that by watching 
these tribes, you can't learn it in one lifetime. That stuff develops over a millennia. Yeah, you know? anthropologists use yeah. uh, use remote African tribes and their hunting methods as a glimpse into human evolution. How, exactly. How, how early humans lived and hunted and how they survived right. in an mm-hmm. environment that was not conducive to, you know, five foot tall bipedal primates ascending to the top right. of the food chain. Yeah. Well, that was going to be exactly what I said. Like, I don't know if we should necessarily take them studying us off the table because I don't know that they're studying us to advance in any way. I right. think in they fact, are far more advanced. More I think they're studying themselves. just to learn more about, oh, did we come from this? Like, were we once at this state? And yeah, it's just general mm-hmm. study of us. Yeah, in fact, they're probably studying us on tables. On yeah. tables. Yeah. 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 What like a an abduction? Was that an abduction joke? Yeah, it didn't land, but yes, it was. It was an abduction joke. Yeah, it was okay. Someone, someone's driving to work right now, thinking like, "Man, Joe did not get the laugh he deserved." That That's really a shame. I gave you the pity smile, if you noticed. I well, said, they can't tables, hear your pity smile. I smiled, guys. Lauren. I gave him a smile. Um, yeah, this uh, visual podcast that we are. I know you all saw right me now. grin. Whoa, man! Look at that hat. That's crazy. <laughs> Your hair looks really nice today, Joe. Thanks. Everyone does. doesn't Joe's hair look very nice today. <laughs> anyway, so I just want to bring that up because I stumbled upon it and I was like, oh my God. Uh, yeah, I was that's like, cool. That's it's such a, an you know, interesting with, theory. With, with your your resident alien guy being on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that with yeah, me. Yeah, I like Welcome. it. I did it for you, really. <laughs> Ties into the <laughs> alien love yeah. and the conspiracy theory love. I like it all. So today we are going to be talking about conspiracy theories. Wee. They are some crazy ones i think that the fun thing about conspiracy theories and we'll we'll get more into this later when we talk about you know we we all kind of researched our own favorites that we wanted to bring to the table but i think the fun thing about conspiracy theories one the good ones at least one there's so many unanswered questions yeah which is where all these wild theories can come from but i think the funnest part is that a lot of the time conspiracy theories have come true Mm -hmm. and to look back and think like oh these kooks thinking this crazy stuff and then like mk ultra for example you know Mm. no one believed that that exists turns out it absolutely did and year after year we're getting more information on what exactly went down with mk ultra and it's more and more shocking every time we learn something new yeah that was a conspiracy theory this exciting is that Mm -hmm. we could look back down the line and yeah. say, "Wow, that was true." We could we were listen all to this podcast, like in, yeah, ten years, and be like, "We were all right." Just right. in case anybody who's listening to this episode in like a one-off and isn't familiar with you or MK Ultra, why don't you explain really quickly what MK Ultra is? Oh well, I have a little. I think I have a little blurb here. Oh, you do. On. Okay. Well, I don't want to tell your us thunder. more. No, no, no. no, no. Ashley. I think. Um, I think I do. I might not. MK Ultra I'll was actually the sixth installment of the Mortal Kombat franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so MK Ultra. Back in the 1950s, the CIA secretly dosed individuals with LSD in order to test the potential effects of mind control. And this was a conspiracy theory for years until it was finally revealed to be the truth, as I said. Um, and that was essentially, I mean, there's a lot more to it. I yeah. mean, the guy, um, that, what was that documentary called that we, it was actually quite boring. That we turned off? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was actually the you. worst, but drop some knowledge. Yeah, but it, it's on Netflix and it's about one of the guy. one of the reasons MK MKUltra, um, you know, eventually they had to spill the beans was because one of the guys jumped out a freaking window. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like EJ, who's on LSD, and he jumped out the window. Wow. In, the middle, in the middle of New York City. In the less. middle of New York City. Like, but that kind of thing happens in New York City all the time. So like well, most things, it just kind of got swept under the rug. Got the, swept like, under the rug, and except for his family, like, was the, the only ones that were questioning it. Like, why right. did my dad jump out the window? Right. He's not yeah. suicidal. Why did he jump out right. the window? The best thing about conspiracy theories, first and foremost, is that they're fun. Yeah. Oh, they they're are fun. so much and fun. They open tons up a of them. The, the overwhelming majority of them are, you know, complete hogwash. Sure. And then, like you said, there are a bunch of them that sound just as ridiculous as the hogwash. And then enough time goes by, and then it's like, oh wow, that was that, real. That was actually one hundred percent true. Right. So. Yeah, so. it's fun to imagine, and it's fun to get debate and conversation started. It's mm-hmm. just fun. I like them. Okay, oh, I'm so. Ready. We each uh, did some research today on some of our favorite uh, conspiracy theories. We're going to go kind of like in order chronologically. Mine is the oldest. Uh, Lauren is fairly new. And Joe kind of spans many years. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to so, say mine is, mine, yeah, mine is definitely like, a little bit, all over. A little bit older than Lauren's. But yeah, but mine is basically just... Can I can I drop a hint as to what mine is about? Sure, yeah, yeah. you can drop mine it. Mine is basically just general musings regarding the uh, the the deep state as it's known in uh, the shadowy corners of American government as mm-hmm. it pertains mm-hmm. to. So, if you've ever seen any episode of X Files, you yeah. should be excited for <laughs> Clan- what Joe's going like, to talk even about. Even more clandestine than than the FBI, like some some more some more deep level stuff. So I'm um, so pumped in in honor of uh, in honor of you know. Donald Trump's war against uh, the intelligence communities that are allegedly attempting to subvert his presidency and Elon Musk launching the SpaceX rocket today. into orbit today. Just today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good timing for a little deep state. Yeah. I like it. I'm into it. Well, I kick us off. I'm Ashley. talking about the Lindbergh baby. Woo-hoo. So I like this a lot. The Lindbergh baby is something I've heard referenced throughout my entire life. And for whatever reason, I've just never read anything about it. I don't know why. Um, Because it it doesn't sound interesting. It doesn't sound interesting. And you're like, no, thank you. Yeah, it's sort of like. It's like you said, it's a reference you always hear. I think everyone could say, I've heard Lindbergh baby. Couldn't tell you a damn thing. Yeah, couldn't tell you anything about it. I knew, you know, there was a baby involved and something bad happened. That's Mm -hmm. all I knew. So I wanted to go over the. Lindbergh baby, um, just in case there are people out there who are with me and that they know nothing about it, and it is bananas. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, just in case you don't know, Charles Lindbergh was an officer in the U.S. Army Air Corps Reserve Reserve. Yeah, there it is. There's, it the, is. there's that Come Midwest. I seen, a, I seen that I Lindbergh seen baby that there Lindbergh on the TV. <laughs> After, right after I went down to the to the government building and got myself some insurance. Okay, you have to stop making fun of the way I say insurance. It's how I was raised. I can't do anything about Wait, it. Wait, how do you say it? Insurance. Insurance. She says insurance. She says insurance. Oh, like you're putting the emphasis on yeah. insurance. Instead I've of never insurance. noticed that about you, but that's insurance. funny. Insurance. And TV. Stop. That's <laughs> yeah, awful. Yeah, it's terrible. TV. Oh, all right. Okay. TV. You know what? <laughs> insurance you guys can go learn insurance. about the Lindbergh baby it's somewhere the else. sure insurance okay we're done 
Well, that's the Lindbergh baby. Lindbergh uh, that was interesting. interesting. So uh, he received the Medal of Honor for flying 33 and a half hours in the single engine plane, the Spirit of St. Louis, which was the very first solo transatlantic flight and the first nonstop flight between North America and Europe. And because of his success, we now have commercial aviation and airmail. I mean, we would have anyway, but him doing it was what got... He's the first. He's the first. That's amazing. And him doing it was the first time that people were like, hey, it's possible. Charles Charles Lindbergh was the original Neil Armstrong. Yeah, for sure. He was incredible, Um, but also like... Not really. So, but also he was like, but kind also of a piece like he was <laughs> sort of a piece of shit. So, also we hate you. After this, he and his family obviously acquired a good amount of fame. So they moved to a small town in New Jersey from St. Louis. Um, on March first, nineteen thirty-two, Charles Jr., his twenty-month-old son, was abducted from their home. The nurse uh, put the adorable baby Charles, and let me tell you, adorable doesn't even cut it. This baby was chubby, Mm -hmm. and he had dimples, and he had blonde curly hair, and blue eyes, and he was so fucking cute. Everything you could want in a baby. Everything you could want in a bouncing little baby boy. So um, the nurse put him in his crib at 7.30 p.m. Around 9.30 p.m., Charles Lindbergh was in the library just below the baby's room when he heard a noise. But he said later he thought it was something coming from the kitchen. At 10 p.m., the family nurse, Betty, discovered the child was not in the crib. Charles was notified immediately, and he searched the home with a gun for a baby and found a ransom note on the windowsill. They found impressions on the ground under the window of the child's room and pieces of a wooden ladder. They then contacted police and his attorney. From there, it got pretty crazy. Um, There was so much media coverage, more than any other criminal event in history. The FBI even the, got involved. It was, quote, unquote, the trial of the century. Yeah, yeah. Once, once they did find someone, it was called the tw- trial of the century. But even before that, nothing else in history had received this much media coverage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the FBI got involved. They weren't even called the FBI yet. <laughs> but that but it group was got in called. Yeah, in called. Got on called. Got on called because they were involved. Um <laughs> they thought maybe the kidnapping was committed this is actually just a fun fact that i didn't know it's really funny so they actually thought it was committed by organized crime so they publicly went after different organized crime groups at first and organized crime leaders including al capone even spoke from prison offering to help return the baby in exchange for money or legal favors oh my gosh so that's pretty crazy but yeah on march 6th Another ransom letter arrived by mail from Brooklyn in which the ransom had been raised and told them that John Condone would be the intermediary between the Lindberghs and the kidnappers and requested notification via newspaper that the note had been received. Now, who was John Condone? Condone was a well-known Bronx personality and retired school teacher. He had actually written a letter to the Bronx Home News offering $1,000 if the kidnapper would turn the child over to a Catholic priest, which is how he was chosen as the intermediary, which is very strange. And I don't understand it differently. Just a little bit. Like he just happened to like be a guy who like wrote a letter. Hey, I'm a guy from the Bronx. Hey, why don't you give that kid to a a priest, all right? Yeah. How about we're going to work out a switch, all right? You give the kid to a priest, I give you a grand, all right? That's exactly Guarantee what happened, that's and he, he that's how he got involved. I and don't the authorities like, were like, mm, "Sounds good. Sounds great. No, that's very that bizarre. sounds perfect. Make it happen." 
trust this guy. John Condone is actually the first person who met with the kidnapper. He said that he met him in a cemetery and that he was in the shadows, so he didn't get a good look at his face. Okay. Mm. He said that the man sounded foreign and that he was part of a group of people who were holding the baby on a boat unharmed and Charles Jr. would be only returned after the ransom was exchanged. John Condone asked for proof that he even had the baby, and he said that he would soon return the baby's pajamas. And then apparently, according to John, he asked Condone if he would, quote, burn if the package were dead, meaning would he go to the chair if the baby was not alive? And when John questioned and pushed him further he assured him that the baby was alive <laughs> no 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 just no uh, i'm just no, wondering I'm just like, you know theoretically so like hypothetically <laughs> like let's say the baby was like i don't know like dead, dead. already like what would happen to me like hypothetically <laughs> hypothetically would i would i be all right also yeah, i don't mean like, to interrupt you but there. did anybody investigate this john condone guy who's like oh yeah i met him but i couldn't get a look at his face but i'm pretty sure he was Shady. foreign i'll get Shady into that <laughs> Sounds like this uh, is just the initial like step by step of what supposedly happened. Uh-huh. But I will get according into to John according Condone. to um, the people involved. I don't like so, this guy. Continue. I don't either. On March 16th, the pajamas arrived in the mail as well as a seventh ransom note. On April 1st, they decided it was time to make the swap. The kidnapper was given a custom-made wooden box in order to hopefully be able to identify it later if they were able to catch the guy. And um, that included cash and a number of gold certificates. Again, the gold certificates were so that um, they were easier to track than cash. Okay. Which is why they put them in there. Willy Wonka? Like Willy Wonka, that's exactly. That's literally yeah. what no, I was yes, thinking. That's exactly what it was. I've got golden a tickets. golden ticket. I was born in the wrong generation. <laughs> yeah, things were just things were just things easier. were just simpler back then. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Um, they were told that the baby was in the care of two innocent women. So this is where it gets really sad. Despite giving the money to the kidnapper, baby Charles was found dead on May twelfth by a truck driver who had pulled over to take a leak about four miles south of the Lindbergh home. Uh, And we'll get to the condition of the body later. But the way that they were able to track down the quote unquote kidnapper was to follow the money. They weren't able to mark the bills, but they did take note of the serial numbers on the bills. And then over 250,000 pamphlets were made and distributed to business listing, like listing the serial numbers, mainly in New York City. Uh, A few of the bills turned up in Chicago and Minneapolis, but those spending the bills were never found. Then the president ordered that all gold certificates were to be exchanged for other bills on May 1st, 1933. And a few days before the deadline, a man had brought in almost $3,000 of gold certificates that happened to be from the ransom. Uh, His name was Richard Hauptman, and he was eventually arrested for the crime after being caught with $14,000 of the ransom money found in his garage. So he was arrested interrogated and beaten into admitting that the money and other items had been left with him by his friend and former business partner who had ended up dying after he went back home to their homeland in Germany. Um, It was only after he died that he opened the shoebox and found all the cash and the gold certificates. That's what John Hopman or um, Richard Hopman said. So, Unfortunately, they searched the rest of the house and uh, found other evidence that he committed the crime. They found a notebook that contained a sketch of the construction of a ladder similar to the one used to climb into the Lindbergh home. Um, John Condone's telephone number and address was written on the wall of a closet, which is really weird. 
Um, and a section, as, as, as you do, <laughs> yeah. Right. And a section of wood was discovered in the attic that was an exact match to the wood used in the construction of the ladder found at the scene of the crime. This is actually super interesting because this was the first one of the first cases ever to use forensic evidence like this. Oh wow! Um, in fact, this was almost thrown out. The ladder stuff was almost thrown out because the defense argued that there was no such thing as a wood expert. Because hmm. it was like the first wood expert that came in and was right. able to match this wood to that wood. So, Your Honor, we have forensic evidence, and the defense attorney was like, "What the fuck is forensic evidence?" Hold on, no one told me. No one told me I was going to have to be arguing against science today. <laughs> Mistrial. Good for the wood guy. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> the wood guy. That's his name. Yeah, something about the phrasing of that just made me laugh. I, it was funny. It was weird. <laughs> Richard Hopman was eventually charged with kidnapping and capital murder in what would be known as the trial of the century. And he was executed on April 3rd, 1936. So this seems like a pretty open and shut case, right? Wrong. Right? So, so wrong. Well, you're fucking wrong. You couldn't it's be more wrong, crazy. idiot. All the way around. So... <laughs> First, if we look at the crime scene, not a single fingerprint was found in the child's room or the pieces of wood that formed the ladder. Of course, the kidnapper could have been wearing gloves, but he had time to wipe down the entire room of prints, all the kids' toys, the lamp, the crib. Unlikely. How? The ladder. Like, There'd be no And way. climb out the window and down a ladder with a baby alone. No. Doesn't add up. Especially considering the fact that he just like left things laying around his own home. About, exactly. Like, Here's a sketch of the home. exact ladder I'm going to use in the most high profile kidnapping of all time. Right. Yeah. Just doesn't make sense that somebody doesn't would be so careful on one up. end and so reckless on the other. Yeah. Totally. And why would he have to wipe down the entire room? Like they didn't find a single print from the child or the parents or the nurse. Yeah. Seems Not fishy. likely. Um, according to the fingerprint expert who is part of the investigation, even after applying a silver nitrate fingerprint process to the ladder, he didn't find Hauptmann's prints. There weren't even prints that should have been there from the ladder maker's hands. So his expert opinion was that someone washed down the ladder afterwards. So would he have had time for that the night of to wash down the ladder after Didn't using so. it? Well, did he, he has a to, baby he, this so, whole time. Did he have and he to, had a baby. Did he have to wipe down the ladder that, I get that, well that that's night? the thing he could have you know like he could have worn gloves that's true right. but the fact that like not a single fingerprint sure. was found on this thing because sure. the thing is weird. is you'd think that you know he would wear gloves the night of but would he think to wear gl- this wasn't a time like today where it's like your semen's everywhere and your fingerprints yeah. are on everything right. like no one th- thinks about that stuff wearing gloves might make sense but like when you construct the ladder wouldn't there be a prank? Or do you think he wore gloves just like, every second? Well, know. the ladder was, was whoever used the ladder wiped the ladder down. Yeah, whoever used the ladder wiped it down really good. Actually, he thinks that they like washed it off. A so, power okay. wash. Zero physical evidence points to Richard Hauptman. Everything they had was circumstantial. Now, does that mean that I think that the guy who was found with all the money and John Condone's phone number and the Lindbergh's address in his home was innocent of the crime? <laughs> No, but I do not think that he worked alone. And there are many conspiracy theories that don't think he worked alone either. In fact, many people think it was an inside job. So Mm. take uh, Violet Sharp, for example. Violet was a British house servant in the Morrow home, which is Charles Lindbergh's brother-in-law. 
She had given contradictory testimony regarding her whereabouts the night of the kidnapping. It was also reported that she appeared nervous and suspicious when questioned. She committed suicide on June 10th, 1932 by ingesting a silver polish just before what would have been her fourth time being questioned. Oh, wow. That doesn't doesn't bode well. Uh, John Condone also spent time as a person of interest in the case. His home was searched twice. But I think the most important person to look at is Charles Lindbergh himself. I agree. So first of all, he spearheaded the entire investigation. He made it clear that he was in charge from the get-go and he was friends with the cop and he was kind of this famous guy. So they just kind of let him do whatever he wants. Hiding, like, hiding in plain sight. Investigate this crime. Yeah. Uh, the if police. You're in, if you're investing the crime that you mm-hmm. committed, the safest that's the safest place yeah. to be. Right. If you're calling the shots. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, let's just get back to what a crazy point in time this was. Where it's like the guy who's famous for flying airplanes is like, my kid was kidnapped. I'm in charge. And all the authorities were like, okay. All right. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Sounds good. You know <laughs> yeah. what's up. Yeah, what do I exactly. care? Yeah. So actually the police, the police police didn't actually get involved and take over until the baby's body was found. Wow. Yeah. So Charles Lindbergh was doing all of that. I mean, the police were involved. The FBI were involved, but they were going off of whatever Charles Lindbergh told them. Ooh, that's that's fascinating. So a number of books have been written that have asserted Hauptmann's innocence uh, or at least arguing that he didn't get a fair trial. They usually highlight sloppy police work at the crime scene. So many press members were allowed into the scene, scene of the crime before they could gather evidence. They destroyed footprints. They tainted any physical evidence that could have been potentially found as well as Lindbergh's interference in the investigation. Um, Lindbergh also rushed over to identify the body when it was found, which checks out your parent who, you know, they found a dead baby yeah, sure. you're going to want. But um, he insisted on cremation before a second autopsy could be performed by the defense team. Oh, nope. Nope. Cook it. <laughs> yep. No, it's fine. Yeah. Cremate e- it extra right away. Crispy. Yep. Uh, Jesus. That was a little dark. Joey. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that defense was really strong. That's your defense. We're talking about the guy. The guy's a prime suspect in the okay, kidnapping and fair. death you're of right. a child. You're right. And you're you're gonna right. Be you like, were. Mm, <laughs> so you were pretending <laughs> to be <laughs> Charles. <laughs> yeah, you were being a good Charles in that moment. Fine. Yeah. So another reason. This is my favorite thing. I mean, it's not my favorite. It's awful. But another reason that the microscope should be put on Lindbergh is due to the state of Charles Jr. Um, his body when he was found. So Charles Lindbergh was obsessed with eugenics. Do you know what eugenics is? No. Um, eugenics is sort of um, Adolf Hitler uh, was a believer in genetic eugenics. purity. Okay. Genetic okay. purity. Oh, yes. Specifically, most of the time, and know that was white the name. genetic right. purity. It's, all, it's always um, white folk. Yes, always they the want you know, they want a superior race. Right. Um, that's what Hitler was all about. Yes, which is not only, you know, not only white, but they don't want any deformities, sure. nothing. Yeah, completely pure. So Charles Lindbergh was into that as yes. well. Yes, so Charles Lindbergh was uh, obsessed with it. It started from a very early age of being raised on a farm. Um, in his autobiography, he wrote that the ideal romance was stable and long-term with a woman with keen intellect, good health, and strong genes. He said, my experience in breeding animals on our farm has taught me the importance of good heredity. Um, 
Let it be known that in his autobiography, he ridiculed pilots that he met in his past as womanizing barnstormers and criticized army cadets for their superficial approach to relationships and then went on later in life to father seven children outside of his marriage with three separate European women, two of which were sisters. Oh my so gosh. he's mention, a little bit of a hypocrite. Yeah, not to mention bit. the fact that the the thing that got Charles Lindbergh decommissioned as an officer in the Army Air Corps Reserve was his steadfast, adamant refusal to support American efforts in the days leading up to the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was an isolationist. He didn't. He like he was an advocate for avoiding conflict against Nazi Germany at all costs. Yeah. and you know, not coincidentally, was also you know a firm believer in eugenics. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, he he believed in the preservation of the white race and keeping it pure by guarding ourselves against attack of dilution by foreign races. That's a quote from him. He claimed he wasn't a Nazi sympathizer. Um, He thought Hitler was a fanatic. However, he did state that he believed the survival of the white race was more important than the survival of democracy in Europe. What a good guy. Is what he said. So he was also close friends with Alexis Carroll, a French surgeon who was awarded the Nobel Prize in medicine in 1912. He was actually the youngest surgeon to be awarded the Nobel Prize. Mm. Uh, Alexis Carroll was not only a supporter of eugenics and believed um, he believed in the use of breeding to form a super race of people, um, white people. He believed in not allowing weak, abnormal or deformed individuals the right to breed to create more weak individuals and therefore weakening the entire race of people. Now, this becomes important when you investigate the remains of Charles Lindbergh Jr. Medical evidence suggests that Charles Lindbergh's first child was not the perfect breeding material that he was looking for. All of the photos and videos that you see of Charles Jr. were actually taken almost eight months prior to his disappearance. Many experts believe that based on the state of the child's body found in the woods, that he was a child that was developing massive deformities. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie had uh, macrocephaly, where the head is abnormally large. Really? Okay. Yeah. The autopsy also showed that his soft spot on his head had remained open even at almost two years old. Oh, oh my geez. Gosh. Um, his skull was very thin, which points to a possi- possibility of hydrocephalus where there's an accumulation of fluid in the brain, which can cause anything from headaches to poor vision, poor balance, and most of the time, mental impairment. Oh, geez. So here's Charles Lindbergh, famous Charles Lindbergh, American hero Charles Lindbergh's first son and namesake. Mm -hmm. Given everything we know about what Charles Lindbergh believes in, here's this kid that's slowly but surely developing deformity after deformity while carrying his name. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. Not the pure, wow. perfect boy that he wanted. Yeah. So wow. when uh, when Charlie uh, Jr.'s body was found, this is also kind of interesting. Several of his internal organs were missing, which was attributed to animals removing them. However, it's interesting that some of the deeper organs were missing while others were untouched. Uh, many experts find this fishy. Pediatric neurosurgeon Dr. Lauren Schwartz is quoted as saying, I don't know an animal that would go around the heart and take part of the lung. Yeah. The reason that this is permanent is that microcephaly can also affect internal organs. And Dr. Schwartz and many others believe that someone may have removed the organs before dumping the body to cover up deformities. My what? 
the that's crazy fuck. town. Like maybe Charles Lindbergh's brilliant surgeon friend. Yeah, like maybe his uh, Nobel Prize award-winning surgeon friend. Holy goose! Yeah, <sighs> that is so so nuts. What the fuck? Oh my gosh! Wow, that's the theory that I believe in most. Of course, there's a couple others. Um, some people don't think that Charles Lindbergh was evil enough or narcissistic enough to have his son killed or kill him himself, uh, which seems based on what? Unla- I know, right? It's like, it's like really based, based on their own sentimentality. Pretty much, like just listen to what this fucking guy says. I was yeah. say, like, sounds quite. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, I think he's absolutely capable of it. Um, a lot of people, like a lot Spirit of Spirit of St. Louis, my ass. Yeah, somewhere. a lot of a lot of uh, uh, experts and like uh, psychologists specifically look back at Charles Lindbergh and they 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 definitively agree that he suffered from a narcissistic personality. Um, I believe it. Narcissists so. are often overachievers. Yes, they are. Very true. They're a crippling fear of failure that uh-huh. drives them to do things like decide to try to fly an airplane across the Atlantic Ocean for the first time Absolutely. ever. Absolutely. Exactly. It all makes sense. So, uh, many people think that he may have wanted to institutionalize his son anonymously. Um, and attempted to stage a kidnapping, and the kidnapping went horribly wrong. Um, an accident on everyone's part. The only thing that we know is that the baby likely died of blunt force trauma to the brain, um, like possibly being dropped while climbing down a shitty homemade ladder. Yeah. Um, others believe it was a prank gone wrong. This is fucked up. So apparently Charles Lindbergh liked using Charlie du- Jr. to prank his family. On one occasion, he locked the baby in a closet for over two hours while the family freaked out trying to look for him before he brought the baby out laughing. Jesus. In the book Crime of the Century, the Lindbergh kidnapping hoax, criminal defense attorney Gregory Algren proposes that the Lindbergh or that Charles Lindbergh climbed a ladder and brought his son out the window, but dropped the child, killing him. So he's hid the body in the woods and covered up the crime by blaming Hauptman. As I said, uh, one of the biggest theories on what happened is that Charles Lindbergh knew that his baby was developing Uh, with deformities he knew that the risks of said deformities could be intellectual disability or mental retardation Um, he had made several trips to brooklyn in the weeks before charles jr went missing and this is where hopton was residing at the time so the theory is that the entire kidnapping was a setup to secretly put charles jr in an institution thus keeping the Lindbergh image intact um, and even giving them some sympathy i guess for losing their child um, via kidnapping. Charles Lindbergh hired Hauptman to be the one to take the baby, hence why Hauptman had all the money, the wood from the ladder, the Lindbergh home address, and the phone number for Condon, Condone, secretly scribbled in his closet. Uh, Charles Lindbergh spearheaded the search party so that Hauptman would never be caught and Charles Jr. would be taken care of by professionals in a home for the disabled. The entire plan went up in flames when something went wrong. The baby was dropped, like we don't know. Mm. Um, Some forensic experts recreated the ladder found outside the home. They made several of them and every single attempt they tried to carry like a 20 pound bag down the ladder, the ladder broke and the climber fell and the bag was dropped. So it could have been a bad plan with an unfortunate accident and a shitty cover up. Yeah. Is what it could have been, which is still really sad. A shitty cover up that worked. 
that worked yeah oh well not for hoptman he wasn't supposed to end up getting caught classic right? patsy um hoptman comp- uh, proclaimed his innocence all the way up to his execution he never pointed his fingers at anyone else many think for fear that someone powerful would go after his wife and children his wife also fought to prove his innocence until t- the day she died at 95 years old um, now, one more thing really quickly. Another wrinkle in the story happened four years later in 1936, uh, four years after all this happened, Robert Dolphin was thrown into the spotlight. Uh, Robert or Bobby, Bobby's great aunt, contacted private detectives with a conspiracy theory that the boy's mother, Glendora, had exchanged her sickly son with Charles Lindbergh Jr., Basically, when Bobby was seven months old, he was taken from Ohio to New Jersey. Uh, Glendora claimed she was going to visit a sick uncle. When she returned two weeks later, multiple witnesses reported that she was carrying a wad of money, which was unusual during the Depression, and her son didn't look the same. When she left, her baby was sickly small, had straight, wispy brown hair, and when she returned, Bobby was a third larger and had curly blonde hair. And this was... Right when the Lindbergh kidnapping happened. Uh, Yeah. In an interview with a local mechanic, Ira Meyer, he claims he had a discussion with Glendora upon her return. I took one look at the child and I said, why, that's not Bobby, Dory. I'll never forget how she stood there a minute thinking and she suddenly admitted it. No, you're right. That's not Bobby, she said. She didn't say anything more, and I didn't press her. I figured her own baby had died, though I had never seen a death notice, and that she had adopted a child. I never thought of the Lindbergh child at the time. Even Bobby's father had doubts. He is quoted as saying, I said to my wife at the time, this is not our child. Our child did not have curly hair. And later I noticed that my wife had plenty of money. I saw $600 in $20 bills in her possession at one time. She could not seem to explain to me where she got it. Off and on throughout her life, I would say to her, this is not our boy. Uh, To add some credence to this crazy theory... Remember the maid, Violet Sharp, who killed herself before she be she could be questioned for a fourth time? Uh-huh. Yes. Friends with Glendora. No. <gasps> yes. Shut your damn yeah. mouth. Well, now yeah. that's the theory I like. Um, <laughs> the theory goes even deeper, and I'll post a link on our Patreon page. They're actually, um, the Bobby now is in like his 80s or 90s. I don't remember. Uh, he's old. He's old as shit. And he wants to exhume his mother's body and test her DNA against his own and the only other thing they can do because uh the Lindbergh baby whoever that was found because some people now think that if that's the case if the Lindbergh baby is still alive that would explain why this baby found had the soft spot still open it might not have been him right because a two-year-old baby wouldn't have a soft spot sure unless of course he had the issues that they think that he yeah, was developing. Oh boy. What the fuck? Wow. Like that theory is insane, but also like, well, yeah. could be. The Absolutely. only DNA right. left for the from the Lindbergh baby. Well, there are Charles Lindbergh had other kill children, obviously. He had seven kids that were um not his wife's. And with his wife, I think he had like four or five. He had so, so many kids. He has like 12, 11 or 12 kids. So there's descendants that they can test. whole squadron of pilots there. Yeah. If they want. If white they, pilots. Yeah. White, the, pi- the white the blonde <laughs> pilots. Perfect little white family. So if they, if they would be willing to, you know, give their DNA. But there's also the Lindbergh baby, I, uh, little Charlie Jr., 
there's like a lock of his hair in some museum. I don't remember where it is. So really? they could test against test that hair. Test all the things. Yeah, test do, do all the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to know. Wow, that's bonkers. Isn't that insane? Yeah, that's wow. pretty wild. I really didn't know. I didn't know much about that at all. No, I, I didn't knew a know little that about last Charles Lindbergh himself. But. Yeah, yeah. I knew that like the kid got kidnapped, the baby got kidnapped, yeah. and was found dead, the, and like the there, it was the trial of the century. But I didn't know that like Charles Lindbergh had something to do with it. Yes. I don't yeah, know I what so. he had to do with it, but he had something to do with it. I yes. agree. And that was kind of all I ever knew was that the biggest theory said it was an inside job from Charles, mm-hmm. but I didn't know exactly like how they thought it happened. And right. I didn't know anything about that last theory, which is crazy. Yeah, Spooky. that last theory is pretty I like bonkers. It, Might buy into it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I will. What do you guys think, <laughs> listeners? What do you think happened to the Lindbergh baby? Still tell alive? Tell us what you think. Killed by daddy? <laughs> how are we going to know what they think? Um, we're hoping I, that's, why that's why I paused that's why I paused you oh, waiting for a response yeah I was waiting for a response oh I assumed you want oh, them to write in let's so listen sweet. oh Ashley Ashley doesn't know how podcasts work okay I feel like someone just said something really interesting let's huh. listen hold on write us and let Tell let us, us know what you think about these uh, crazy theories whether you think it's all bullshit or if you're like that's kind of and interesting especially if you think that you might be the Lindbergh baby oh yeah and if you think you're the <laughs> Lindbergh baby I'm gonna need you to fly out to California real come quick over immediately. come out on the spirit of St. Louis if you have to <laughs> oh gosh alright let's move on to something a little bit more contemporary yeah who's heard of the actress Brittany Murphy who Me. who what I loved Brittany She's Murphy in Clueless. I loved her even in the garbage movie Just Married with Ashton Kutcher. I was a huge fan. And then is they that were, the one where they her were, and Ashton married for a hot second? I they think were, so. Right? Is that the one where they were they got married and then they like went on a honeymoon that went wrong? And then they like the marriage just went terribly because they got married oh, way no. too fast. But Did then by the divorced? end of the movie, oh, they're they like, fell "Wait, I missed you." It's one of those. Brittany, it's, Brittany it's Murphy, uh, one of her characters, it has one of the most savage burns in movie history. What is it? You're a virgin who can't drive. There it is. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. I was reading your mind. That's no, that's a favorite. debilitating insult. If if both of those things are true, and someone says that to you, that's checkmate. Mm-hmm. You are you are officially relegated to a life of living in basements and working odd jobs because your yeah. confidence. Whoop, out the window and when she said that to what's her toes she goes oh, way harsh yep. like she was upset <laughs> that, that one landed Whew, got yeah. her anyway. i don't know clueless as well as you're you guys a virgin do. who can't drive was my accent okay it was great all right thank you i was really happy that you decided to go to with do the, the accent, accent instead thank of just you. you know reciting the line. her accent's the best part of that movie um anyway so very sadly, Brittany Murphy died at the age of 32 back in 2009, in December of 2009. And her death seemed very sudden and mysterious. Yeah. Like, I remember hearing about it in the news and everyone was kind of like, it was natural causes. She'd had pneumonia for a while and like was taking some medicine. But like, yeah, her body just kind of gave out and everyone just accepted it. Everyone even though was it like, made no she's sense. 32. Yeah, she was tired. Yeah. <laughs> she was tired. <laughs> She was really tired. She was so I, sleepy. She had a very just busy filming schedule this year. Hard. Um, everyone thought she died due to pneumonia and anemia, and then these drug cocktails that she was taking to ease her pain while she was sick. However, there are still lots of questions and strange things surrounding Britney's death. So the most popular theory 
that's going around, which it sounds bonkers. It could definitely be untrue, but I thought it was really interesting. The most popular theory is that the government was keeping a very close eye on Britney and like had really crazy surveillance on her and was following her every move and was slowly poisoning her over time. Okay. Why? And I know, sounds insane. And it's because she was really good friends with Department of Homeland Security whistleblower Julia Davis. Julia had exposed many immigration issues and was an investigative journalist for the Los Angeles Homeland Security Examiner. And she basically found out that these people coming from terrorist countries were potentially getting let in at the border by bribing customs officials. And she was like doing all this investigation. She saw a ton of shady stuff, called everybody out on it. And when she went to court for it, when Homeland Security was like, hey, bitch, we're taking you to court because this isn't true. Um, Brittany Murphy was called as a witness in the case. She was a good friend of hers. She spoke out all the time in the media to her defense. So um, Brittany believed and she had told her dad this. Angelo Bertolotti was her dad's name. She was telling him in the weeks leading up to her death that she believed like she was under surveillance, that people were tapping her phones. Deep state. What? People were... Deep state. Deep state. It all connects. She thought her car was being tracked, and even Julia was saying these things to her, like, yeah, that's absolutely true. I've had other friends feel these same things wow. that you're feeling, like anyone what? who supports me. I've literally is never followed. heard this before about Brittany Murphy. Me neither. I know, isn't it insane? So, yeah, Angelo Bertolotti and Julia Davis still to this day are fighting to defend Britney's death just because so many people ripped her apart in the media and said she was a drug addict. Yeah, she was they anorexic, said it was an like, overdose. Yeah, like she did this to herself. And so they're trying to fight and say, no, let's reopen this case. Like something insane was going on. She told us that she was being followed. Helicopters were constantly over her and her husband Simon's house in Beverly Hills. And Simon died just five months later of the same thing. Her husband died of pneumonia, anemia, and a weird drug cocktail thing. Fucking deep state. Deep state. So, And the reason that the poison comes into play and not just the surveillance was that um, Angelo, her dad, did um, ask for another toxicology report. Like He did ask them to do some testing on some strands of hair and different things because he was like, guys... We're going to find something else. It wasn't just pneumonia and anemia and all this stuff. And um, they took some strands of her hair and found that there were traces of some heavy metals in her hair, one of them being barium, which Uh is in rat poison. So fuck. That's why he believes she was being poisoned. I'm sorry, um, this is this is her dad, Angelo Bertolotti. Bertolotti, is her yeah. dad. Mm-hmm. For the record, his name wouldn't be more Italian if it was Ziti Lanzagna. <laughs> Ziti, Ziti Lanzagna is no more You're Italian correct. than Angelo Bertolotti. Anyway, I know. Could, sorry. No, continue. I really love his name too. I love that same thing. I heard Angelo Bertolotti and I was like, Jewish fella? I know. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. So Simon's body has not been tested for the same thing. So we don't know about the rat poison. Why? With him, but this was found. And when, so when these heavy metals were found in the hair, her dad was like, hello, see, does everyone understand? But then the coroner, his defense was, well, sometimes heavy metals are found in your hair from hair dye. And I'm sure Brittany dyed her hair. Of course she did. And so that's his defense. But even though that is possible, the barium still really points to rat poison. I don't think that would necessarily be the one that's in her hair just from dye. Right. So Angelo is still like, uh, uh, no. I think barium, this, and this could be wrong, 
I we we do need we could probably use a fact checking division. We always What's need fact checking here. on here. That's a good job opening if anybody feels like they can contribute to the podcast. We a, always say incorrect. A live fact checker. Um, I, I'm not. I, I think barium might also be in cigarettes. Okay, and she was really? probably a smoker, so it wouldn't be that crazy, right? I know that some component of rat poison that is also found in rat poison is found in cigarettes. And I'm, I don't know if it's barium or not. I don't mean to interrupt, but I just, it was just a thought that I had. But that's the thing. That's That's why these are just theories. Like it could have been something in a cigarette. It could have been so many things, could have been hair dye, but it was just interesting. It was like, okay. Yeah. Was something going on because she was suddenly getting sick over time while she's also thinking she's being followed and hearing weird sounds while she's on the phone and helicopters circling her house sure. and like i guess at one point um police came in without a warrant and searched her house and seized some of her items they'll, they'll do that like all this crazy stuff was happening and julia davis was just like yep this is what happens when you like speak out with me and now this, this is, is just to, like to reiterate this is a person whose life is in the is, is in the public eye this is a person right. who is followed regularly by mm-hmm. by, by paparazzi and sure this is not a person who would be who would normally be surprised at the inkling or the belief that someone was following her, but right. a- apparently this seemed different to her than yeah. the normal yeah. I'm for in some Hollywood reason. and I'm just naturally followed by photographers and whatnot. Right. Well, she, and if that was, the, if that was the case that she was killed by the government, like if the government has the balls to kill a famous person like Brittany Murphy, Michael Jackson, uh, you know, the number of famous people that the government has been accused of being involved in their death, like they, they would have no problem killing me. Yeah. Or me. Or Joe. How this easy. is going to be my last radio slash podcast slash public appearance after the stuff that I'm going to talk about <laughs> later. Just, I so, know. I'm like, I, we're getting I, ourselves thanks. into trouble good, here. Good night and good luck. We Adieu. were fine. You know, I haven't noticed any weird happenings, phone tappings, or people following me after the, the cult episode where we ripped Scientology a new one. So oh I gosh, think I did maybe... get a little scared. Yeah. yeah. They're nerds. <laughs> Huge nerds. nerds. Huge Anyways, nerds. go on. Bring it on, Scientology. Um, so there's a pathologist named Dr. Cyril Wecht or Weck. I'm Cyril. Cyril. We're just going to call him Cyril because I'm scared of his last name. But he <laughs> um, studied this case very closely. And um, he had said it is possible for two people to both die of pneumonia in the same home. But it is actually extremely rare, which I was kind of like, yeah, if one has yeah, pneumonia, no we shit. all do. But he was like. No, I'm a dumbass. And he was like, no, that's very rare that that would happen to both of them. So he is also now helping to fight to reopen the case because he wants to take a closer look at these heavy metals and thinks there's absolutely something to this. Wow. And um, but basically the coroner keeps fighting back saying like, hey, I can't really do anything unless someone comes forward. We get some kind of confession like there's not enough here to reopen it when it absolutely could have been this, this, and this, the reason she had those heavy metals in her hair. So that's one of the theories, and that's kind of put out by this Julia Davis woman again and her father. Um, and then some other theories from people point back to Simon Monjack, her husband. Um, apparently he was an asshole and yeah, the that's worst. What I've heard. And people think he was behind Britney's death. Uh, He was a pretty consistent pill popper and may have been a bad influence on Britney and did get her into substance abuse and was maybe like slowly killing her body over time. It also came out after he died that he owed thousands and thousands of dollars to a British investment firm. He had unpaid legal bills and had two warrants out for his arrest in Virginia. 
So what? he's a piece of shit who is not what was in he good doing hands in with the law. Who knows? Um, something terrible. Something awful. Um, and also, after Brittany died, before Simon died, Simon and Brittany's mother, Sharon, had started a foundation in Brittany's name that was supposed to be a charity for children in some way, shape, or form. There weren't a ton of details on the internet because it was a very short-lived charity, but it was supposed to be raising money for children in some way, and it was found out later that it was not a real registered charity, and it was a complete fraud. And when Simon and Sharon were called out for this, they claimed that they were too overcome with grief from Brittany's death that they didn't file the proper paperwork, and it was just like a little slip. Um, but most people believe that's a bullshit and that they were just trying to get money and profit from Britney's death, making themselves look like these little angels having this charity in her name. But that was maybe they him, were taking her away. husband and her own mother and her own mother, Sharon, who was living with them in at the time in their house in Beverly Hills. She had a room in their house. She, she'd been she living didn't with them get sick and she didn't get sick. So it's all it's weird. I think. Some arrows point to Sharon, which brings me to the next other theory that this is what Sharon claims, but then I don't think it makes sense. I almost make it think this seems to me that she's calling herself out. But Sharon, Brittany's mom, has claimed all these theories are ridiculous. Brittany never said anyone was following her. She barely had a relationship with her dad. It's all lies, which if you do a little more research seems to be untrue. I think she did have a relationship with her dad. And I've seen pictures of her they and were, her father. I've yeah, never seen her mother. They were seen together all the time. So she absolutely did have a relationship. But Sharon was claiming um, that the charity was just like a total slip up, that it wasn't meant to be a fraud, that she was a good woman, blah, blah, blah. So... Simon and Brittany died due to toxic mold in the house is what Sharon is claiming. And that could be true because it was said from close friends and other family members that their house wasn't in great condition, that they were kind of hoarders and their house wasn't very clean. However, nothing was ever released saying that there was toxic mold in the home. Neither body seemed to be showing any effects of living with mold and reacting to that. Also, the mom that. lived there, so wouldn't she and react exactly. to it? And that's okay. why I'm saying I think she buried herself a little with that one because she wasn't sick at all, had no symptoms, and she was living in that same home that apparently had mold. Very weird. So she seems very fishy to me with her weird story Trying to like push the dad out of the picture. She the and she and Z, she and ZD Lasagna were divorced. Yes, they were, and like did not her and ZD Lasagna, Spaghettios did not. <laughs> they did not get along at all either. ZD so. Lasagna, Gabagool, Gabagool, Tortellini, Tortellini. Um. So there could have been mold. It doesn't seem likely. Sharon seems super fishy to me. I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah, that's that doesn't add up. No, I feel like the toxic mold thing, the second someone would throw that out, all you have to do is go into the... You can't... You don't just get rid of toxic mold. Right. So even if someone took over that house afterwards, cleaned it all out, there would still be toxic mold in there unless they specifically had it eradicated. So right. you could just ask... She's also not an expert. This sounds like a pretty totally. unsubstantiated claim. Where she right. was like, yeah. "Toxic well, people, mold, leave me alone. Don't yeah. ask any and more questions." I feel questions. like that would have been a bigger story from toxic, totally. like black mold. But can I think kill that would have been more of the story of like, "Hey, all this mold was found in there." Like that was never released about the home. All that was ever right. said was their house was pretty messy and they were kind of hoarders. But mm -hmm. like, I think their lives were falling apart. Whatever the hell was going on with them, like. Prescription pill bottles were all over the house. I do think there was substance abuse, but I also think 
there was more going on. And another crazy fact is anemia can sometimes be misdiagnosed because it looks very similar to arsenic poisoning. The symptoms are very similar. So back to the poison thing. So there's some interesting things in there. But um, I have one more kind of funny note. This was a crazy connection. It's not that funny, but because this is a very sad situation, but just like a crazy fact the previous owner before Britney and Simon and uh, Britney's mother was Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake when oh. they were together. No. They lived in this house and Britney Spears actually has spoken out saying that she hated living in that house because she felt that it was cursed and it always felt like something sinister was present. And I mean, her and JT, like they, their relationship got broken up after living in it's that true. house. It was the her, house. Her life went crazy. So... Then there's a theory that it's just the house. It's the house. It's like an Amityville horror. It's like Beverly Hills horror. That's that's clearly what happened. Isn't that hilarious? I wouldn't trust Britney Spears to tell me if the weather was nice outside. (laughs) 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 I know it's fair. That's why I said it's more of like a funny little thing. But I'm like, hey. What year did Britney Murphy die? 2009. What year did Britney Spears have her fucking meltdown? I think (gasps) it was around then. Right? Wasn't it 2009? Do you think maybe Britney Spears killed Britney Murphy? There can only be one Britney who lives in this house. (laughs) (laughs) I am the only Britney. Britney Britney Spears just killed Britney Murphy and then shaved her head and just. I think it was 2009 because isn't that meme like if you can survive. It's it's seriously 2008 or 2009. It's it's right right around around that time. Britney can survive 2009. You can get through today. I think think I'm on to something here. I I know. You are. That's a really good conspiracy theory. I really enjoy it. That house has since it's been. It's Britney, bitch. Oops, it's she did Brittany, it again. Bitch. Oh my god! Oh, we could come up with so many. That house has since been heavily renovated. It's said to be totally transformed now. Free so of the toxic mold. Is that all? The bad mojo is out now. But there's only one way to find out. Let's go stay in it for a night. Let's ask for Brittany. a night. Do you for think maybe night? I'm a slave for you is in reference to the fact that she's a CIA mole? Oh, totally. We're getting somewhere with this. There are, are tons of Britney Spears conspiracies. Yeah, like I know there are. Clone and I know. The clone thing is pretty The clone thing's legit. amazing. As, as it's I, actually really cool. When I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about, I love the idea of famous people being replaced. Mm-hmm. Yep. So like Avril, the, Avril, Lavigne. Avril Lavigne is like, that's, that's one, one of my favorites. favorite conspiracy Avril theories. was replaced 100%. There's You're no other. No, no. I believe There's in it too. No she looks completely different. completely different. How does her face different. look so no. different? It's she looks her. completely it's different. Her. She dresses different. She used she to be a punk different. rock prom queen. And now she's like a weird Japanese girl. Yeah, because that's such a leap. It is. Because that's such a leap. She married the lead singer of Nickelback. Yeah, she would. She she would have never never done that. She was singing "Skater Boy." Yeah, Uh -uh. yeah. Her. She said, "See you later, boy." Yeah, her morals and her ideology were just such a far cry from that. From marrying the douche from Nickelback. I'm gonna ask you this question. I need you to answer it seriously. Okay. Why'd she stop wearing ties then? (laughs) Yeah, Joe. Riddle me this, Joe. Riddle me this. Where the <laughs> spiky belt? Give us go. a reason for the tie. You're right. You got me. I have, well, don't have an answer for that. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how a person who was uh, an emo mall kid turned into a Hello Kitty Japanese fetishist. <laughs> Just couldn't couldn't possibly. They're different turn people. Into they're one one couldn't possibly turn into. They're the completely other. different. They're completely people. different people. I'm with you, Ashley. <laughs> Thank you. I do love that conspiracy, though. So after our bathroom break, we did look it up. Um, Britney Spears shaved her head in 2007. 
Mm-hmm. So we apologize to all of our LGBTQ <laughs> listeners who are screaming into the fucking speaker You know speaker right if Tyler now. Shulky is listening to if this. Tyler why, Leah, Leah is going to be I'm so mad. Maybe I'm totally mad. in the dark on this. Why LGBTQ? Brittany. Oh, because Brit- Brittany, Brittany is an icon in the yes. gay community. Okay. Oh my God. Brittany yeah. is God. Yeah, Brittany's God. And okay. so I LGBTQ. Is she the new share? Pretty, I think yeah, she's like the share of another yeah, generation. She's yeah. of another but Cher is still Cher. Cher mm-hmm. and Cher was the new Liza. Oh, exactly. yes. But Liza's, but Liza's, all, but Liza's still always Liza. Liza. But Liza is the original. God. Liza's, mm-hmm. Liza's Liza. the queen of all God. queens. She's amazing. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I was... And Elton you know, John is also the, queen of all queens, <laughs> even though he's a man. <laughs> yep. He is such a queen. Um, so I, I should... And the L in LGBTQ uh, stands for Leah... Campbell. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. my God. Yeah, fan, She's huh? going to be very upset that we got that ear wrong. That's bonkers. Still very close, and it still could have been because of that damn house. Could have been because of the house. She could have gone crazy in the house, shaved her head, and then Brittany Murphy moved in, and we all know what happened to her. I'm not ready to give up on that one just yet. No. Um, is it my turn? It is. It is is it really? It is. Uh, All right. Well, um, as I as I mentioned in in my preamble toward the top of the episode, mine is hopefully not meandering, but mine is more general musings regarding uh, the existence of the deep state as it pertains to uh, the intelligence communities within the United States. First, I wanted to talk about. CIA plants within media and then I thought about talking about this that and the other and I decided that I'm just going to basically ramble about the deep state I'm gonna do my I'm gonna do my best Alex Jones impression here and just uh just talk about the deep state I can't wait um so for the uninitiated uh basically the deep state is uh, the term used to refer to a collection of individuals that span multiple government agencies and the intelligence community, the military, all involved in the secret manipulation and control of government policy, thereby subverting the American electoral process altogether. Mm-hmm. Wherein, Voting fraud. Wherein, yeah, the basically the, the elected officials of this country, the people who are put in power by the American people, mm-hmm. are not that they're not calling the shots, but that things of equal or even greater importance importance are being controlled by people who are not elected officials. Sure. Right. Which is completely antithetical to a democracy. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of topical right now because, like I mentioned earlier, you know, Donald Trump is obviously making some pretty bold claims that his presidency is being uh, subverted by the intelligence community, uh, specifically by the FBI, Mm -hmm. whom I'm actually not really going to talk about. My stuff is more CIA and NSA, NSA. because that's just the sexier stuff. Um, (laughs) FBI is so yesterday. It really is. The FBI is just kind of like, I don't know, it's just kind of blasé. I don't know, the CIA and the NSA, that's that hard-hitting shit, you know what I mean? That's that black tar heroin shit. FBI is is so yesterday. It's so 1997. Stay on point right now. Love it. So basically... Man, I don't know. This it, it pertains to numerous aspects of classified government operations, like the monitoring and possible contact with UFOs and alien life, subsequent whoop, whoop. cover-ups, a- the possibility that that in and of itself is a false flag operation. False flag operation for the uninitiated, for those who don't know, is... I don't um, know. 
it, it's like the, 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 tri- the trickery. Idea, trickery. The idea okay. that um, that a, a looming alien invasion will actually be staged by the U.S. government okay. and not by actual aliens, or that right. 9-11 was an inside job. Oh, yeah. False flag operation is an incident. Bay of Pigs, an, okay. another example. An incident that is orchestrated by an intelligence agency on its own constituents as a means to justify a, a military action or increased government okay. spending, which defense, sounds super crazy, but it's happened. But right, it, before. but they, but it actually, like, mm. you can just go it's back real. through the last sixty years of American history, and there are multiple instances of this on file, exactly. on record, substantiated, mm-hmm. proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah, not theories, not conspiracies. They Actual, real happen. facts. Yeah. Yeah. Poisoning so, whole so towns insane. of people yeah. for that's, X, Y, and Z. That, like on American Gulf, soil, Gulf of Tonkin. Bay of Pigs. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's crazy. Contra. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into we're gonna get into some sexy shit here. So so don't worry. <laughs> I love how sexy this is. It's sexy. Well, I mean, now. we're talking about conspiracy theories, so it's already like inherently kind of ridiculous. You have uh-huh. to you have to kind yeah. of take a little bit of a tongue in cheek tone while you're talking about shit that's probably true, mm-hmm. but also like te- technically unsubstantiated. So right. so everything I'm about to say, I will start by saying allegedly. That's a good way to start it. Um, now, allegedly, so here is a here's a, an interesting little morsel as it pertains to uh, defense spending. So there is a now famous press conference early on in the Bush administration, Bush two, W, mm-hmm. uh, wherein uh, then Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld, addressing the gaggle of of press operatives, comes out and says that two point three trillion dollars is missing from the Pentagon's defense budget, which equates to roughly 25% of the military's budget is cannot be accounted for. Like the, the money came in, the money was greenlit, and then the money vanished from the books. No one knows how someone why. knows. Someone well, knows. Obviously yeah. someone knows. So but. yeah, so so twenty five percent, two point three trillion dollars. That's an amount of, the of Pentagon's money. Pentagon's defense budget. Can't wrap That's make believe money. That's yeah. money that literally does not physically exist. It's based on hypotheticals and trades and yeah. value and credit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Some you it's couldn't insane. you you would have so much difficulty actually physically getting your hands on 2.3 trillion dollars it's basically it's gold you have to just grab as much gold as you can to uh, to get that sum of money the the date of this press conference guess just guess the date of this this factual substantiated time-stamped press conference september 10th 2001 literally literally the day before the, the the towers and the Pentagon. September tenth. Interesting. So this happens, right? It happens, and shortly thereafter, there is a forty uh, eight billion dollar increase in annual government spending that is greenlit by Congress in uh, the fallout of nine eleven, mm-hmm. and that two point three missing trillion dollars in the subsequent seven plus years of the Bush administration is not once ever mentioned again. What? Hmm. Never again did they actually circle back to what, whatever that happened, what happened to that missing $2.3 trillion. Yeah, let's revisit that. So again, I have, to, I have to say this because I said it at the top, you know, conspiracy theories are fun. Yeah. And most of them are not true. Some of them are true. 
And I'm really not trying to connect any dots or mm-hmm. say this is this or this is that. I'm just trying to point out any inconsistencies, any coincidences, any any conspiracies that might hypothetically lend themselves to something bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, is, all you're doing is listing facts that these are don't, just dates yeah, and conversations that happen. Yeah. This isn't. I'm not presupposing anything. I'm right. not making any if suggestions. If it is a coincidence, what a if fucking it is a coincidence, yeah. it's a crazy fucking coincidence. Yeah, you're just giving us the facts. That the People can draw their that own the Secretary of Defense the day before 9/11 brings up the fact that a quarter of the Pentagon's defense budget is has gone off the books and is yep. missing, and the following day the Pentagon is attacked as is the largest symbol of America's industrial might, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Not, wow. Not once in the history of the Pentagon has the Pentagon ever once been audited. What? Even though the Pentagon is on record as saying that they somehow couldn't place $2.3 trillion right. of its financing, not once has the Pentagon ever been audited by the federal government. Not, not really. Not, not once. Okay. Um. So now I'm gonna kind of get into the NSA a little bit. All right. The NSA, which for for those of you who don't know, is significantly larger than the CIA. It is mm-hmm. significantly larger than the uh, FBI, and for the first 23 years of its existence, was completely unknown to the American public and the vast majority of the rest of the intelligence community. Wow. Not even just like Joe Schmo in Hoboken didn't know the NSA was a thing for 23 years. People who worked at the FBI and within the CIA did did not know that the NSA was a thing. So it was originally founded in 1952 under President Truman. And that's important because considering the fact that it is not a creation of Congress like the CIA or like the FBI, it is not beholden to congressional hearings. Mm-hmm. The NSA does not have to answer to Congress. It does not have to answer to the president. It does not have to... It, it's its own separate form of government that doesn't have to answer to anybody because all it has to say when pressed on a, on a certain issue is that disclosing this information would be a significant threat to national would put security. You at risk. Right. And I cannot answer that question. Wow. Answering that question would pose a significant and immediate threat to American safety and American security. So they don't have to, they literally don't have to answer anything. Do whatever they want. Because anything can just be labeled or listed as a serious threat to national security. Right. And no one can press them on the issue. They are, in essence, untouchable. Wow. So it wasn't until 1975 that anybody knew that the NSA existed. And the only reason it came out then was because in the wake of Nixon and Watergate and a Senate inquiry backed by like adamant, fervent public outrage and interest, it was uncovered that there was an entirely separate branch of the intelligence community that for 23 years had completely flown under the radar. Um, Pretty crazy. Uh, The reason it came about was because the NSA had uh, carefully maintained and curated watch lists containing hundreds and, in some instances, even thousands of names of American citizens, people who were suspected of being anti-war dissidents and organizers during Vietnam, people who were basically responsible for, like, organizing protests on the Washington Monument or at Kent State. All of these people were being very carefully and secretly monitored 
by the NSA. This is all fact. This is all there for the taking. This is all declassified information. Yeah. It's all true. Um, this is how the NSA's existence uh, was discovered. And I just want to note very quickly, in case anyone is listening live, that uh, this recording is being rerouted onto several different computers throughout the United States. And if anything happens to us before this episode can be released, we will know. But but yep. but but seriously, but we, seriously, we are actually doing that. Mm-hmm. Just just to put that out there for everybody who's. At home, listening intently. <laughs> wink, wink. Wink, 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 wink. Or outside in a van, right outside the apartment. <laughs> They're uh, just so, downstairs. So, so following this, this Senate inquiry and this investigation, you would think that like there would be a, like a crackdown of sorts, right? Like we need to got to rein this in a little bit. Yeah, you know? they we, they need some rules. Some rules, some accountability. Any rule, right? right? One rule. One hundred percent. Oh, of course. Do not. they get more power? Things actually swung pretty violently in the opposite direction. Oh, that's Who's crazy. Uh, very shortly thereafter, uh, FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, is enacted. If anybody doesn't know what FISA is, you might know it better by its current iteration, the Patriot Act. Mm, uh, 1978, uh, FISA is enacted, which is basically a uh, special court that is enacted specifically and almost exclusively for the purpose of fast-tracking and green-lighting warrants for uh, wiretaps on American civilians. Wow. So basically... It's a way that the NSA and the greater intelligence community can justify illegally monitoring its own civilians. They basically just created their own court system, which serves to exclusively grant them warrants to surveil American citizens, even to the point where the, a FISA court can retroactively outfit the NSA with a warrant for intelligence and surveillance that they have already started. So they can't get in trouble for things they've So they're basically, in the most technical of ways, they are obtaining a court-ordered warrant for these wiretaps, but they're obtaining it in a court that they themselves have created right. specifically to give them warrants for wiretaps to the point where they can surveil someone for years and when they finally hear something that is of interest to them, they can take that recording to their FISA court. Obtain a, a warrant. And a judge in the FISA right. court will give them a warrant. To use that to, information. To cover for to, that. A warrant that is retrofitted to oh two God. years previously when they began surveillance to justify the surveillance, which they then use to convict the individual for whatever oh, the man. whatever the, whatever the grievance That's is. That's insane. Yeah, it is insane. But guess what? It is literally a fact it is literally on record it is just and this isn't something that like you just you have to go on info wars and hear alex jones and his crazy ass talk about like this is all declassified information this is all this is all fact this is all substantiated this is all true this is what it is it's just a matter of it's public knowledge, but no one can do anything about it. Yeah. Like the president of the United States can't do anything. Do you know about, why the right? president of the United States can't do He's anything about it? He's not on a need to know basis. Because the president of the United States is viewed by the intelligence communities as a part-time temporary employee. Hmm. Both, Which makes sense. Both Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter are on record as saying that they sought out information as it pertained to X, Y, and Z, classified information that they would not reveal the nature of, but they are on record as saying that they went to various intelligence agencies over the course of their presidencies 
demanding to see classified intel on subject X. And we're told explicitly by the intelligence agency that the president of the United States did not have the clearance or the authority to witness or Whoa. be to be witness to this information. I mean, Bill Clinton said that. Bill Clinton also Bill said Clinton it tried about to his, find his, out his about aliens into UFOs, the existence <laughs> and of he FBI. said, "I'm not a, I'm not a need to know person. I am not a need to know person." Which and just he was sounds denied. so insane. He was denied. Like, which, given president. everything like, you know or have been taught about you know how the you know American government works it's like the president president is king or queen is in He's charge like top right? dog no, Some, no sometimes not at all at least sometimes the president is not in charge so Me you know oh fast track 40 years <laughs> oh to you know Ed Snowden unveiling the NSA having phone records and search histories of tens of millions of Americans handed over to them daily by Verizon Facebook Google Microsoft, Yahoo. This is all and stuff now that Facebook like, owns once upon a Instagram, time. Instagram, yeah. Snapchat, yep. Con- facial recognition, lo- location services and cookies, fingerprints yep. on your this, phone. All of this stuff is just little by little. It's accumulating data on you, where you are, oh, yeah. what you like, what you're into, what you search for, mm-hmm. and it's dressed up as to better to better suit your marketing needs. Totally. We saw well, that you even, searched yeah. for Ugg boots the other week, and uh-huh. then you go on a website on your computer that's completely unrelated to, you know, Filene's basement, and you have an advertisement for the exact pair of Ugg's boots that you were looking at before. Yeah. That's how they're able to justify the selling of your information because, oh, it's to, well, to, catering better, pers- to, it's to better personalize your browsing experience. Or they I disguise it as fun games or fun like, fa- you know, Snapchat. You think like the facial recognition, like yeah. they disguise it as like, now I'm a teddy bear. It's right. like, like, well, now I know dog. your face. Now you're a teddy bear that will be recognized in short order upon every building that you walk into for we the rest always, of your life. Joe like and I always report. talk about how close we are to the movie. Movie Minority Report, where you're mm-hmm. walking through the mall and it's like, "Hi, Ashley. How were those jeans you How bought? How were those last chinos month? you bought last we, Thursday? We're honestly not that far away. No, from that. are you, that's what Facebook is. Yeah, that's, that's what, what Facebook is. My phone has literally listened to me before. I've talked about something uh-huh. and then it appeared as an ad in my Instagram about, feed, oh, and all I did all was audibly say it. I, I didn't am, even search it. I am the oldest person in this room. Not by much, but I am the oldest person yeah. in this room. I'm yeah. 32 years old. I was born in 1985. Imagine going back to the day that I was born, July 31st, 1985, and telling, telling my dad, for instance, that at some point during his lifetime, in the relatively very new future, the government will be tracking every single one of your phone calls, text messages, emails, the browser history on this thing called the internet, everything you search for, every conversation you have, every Mm -hmm. word you send, it's all being logged. It's all being filed away on servers just in case in the event that that information is needed. And now I'm sure there's a lot of people who are listening to this who are saying, well, that's a good thing. If you got nothing to hide, you got nothing to worry about. And to a degree, to some extent, That is true. If you're not doing anything, you don't have anything to worry about. Unless something you have said or done in the past is taken wildly out of context and twisted and contorted to fit a different context. It's not like innocent people have never gone to jail before. It's not like people have never been the fall guy for Mm -hmm. something before. And this is just a manner of obtaining as much information as possible as a means to possibly be able to do this to anybody 
should it be necessary mm-hmm. at any point yeah. down the line. It's pretty nutty. So, um, goes a little deeper. I'm going to need a cold shower. <laughs> yeah, well, here's a here's a cool thing uh, called uh, Operation Mockingbird, which gets into one of my favorite conspiracy theories, which I'm going to kind of be ending my spiel on. So Operation Mockingbird uh, was concurrent to the establishment of the FISA court and the Senate investigation, which, you know, unveiled all of this stuff. Simultaneously unveiled is a CIA program uh, referred to as Operation Mockingbird, which was an attempt and a process of either planting, paying, or threatening journalists and producers at major news organizations across the country and even in the world in an attempt to control the flow and tenor of news reports. Again, this is 100% substantiated, declassified documents. This is 100% true. This is the thing that happened. I just have to say that repeatedly so, so anybody doesn't like, think to like, this so is fucking ridiculous. Right. What is this, a Tom Clancy novel? This is literal <laughs> real life. Yeah. Five minutes on the internet and on, you, you know, this, this is all declassified federal documents. Uh, so by the 19, the mid 1950s, uh, it is substantiated that there were operatives embedded within the New York Times, within the Washington Post, within Newsweek, within CBS, more uh, organizations, Christ. including the National Students Association, uh, which was on college campuses around the country as mm-hmm. like an early effort to like, you know, stem those crazy college kids you know steer them away from you know the rise of communism because ideologies like that are very popular amongst young people who haven't really experienced adulthood and the struggles of adulthood and life and when you're kind of living this almost utopian existence where you're really not responsible for anything it's easy to fall into ideologies like communism because you know it just on the surface seems like it makes sense like well why shouldn't everybody have the same amount of everything if we've right. got enough for everyone why shouldn't that be the case yeah. yeah it's only when people get a little older and get a little money and get a little security and get ahead of the vast majority of other people that they start to think like well now wait a second i right. i worked to get to where i am right i shouldn't be penalized dot 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 mm-hmm. so it's not a surprise that the National Students Association was a prime target by the CIA. For sure. This program was created by a man named Fred Wisner, who had run the United States' uh, Southeastern Europe OSS campaign. OSS was the uh, Office of Special Services during yes. World War II. They're basically the, the American spy agency mm-hmm. yeah. during the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly after its inception, a man named Cord Meyer was named Mockingbird's principal operative. This goes deeper than either of you are prepared for. So okay. hold on, hold, hold, hold on, on to your, your butts. Hold on to your butts. Wah, 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 wah. Uh, Cord Meyer himself was a war hero from World War II. He actually lost an eye in the battlefields okay. of uh, World War II. He was also a man who was born into significant means in one of the most wealthy and influential New York City families. This is back in the day when even people who were born into like billion dollar inheritance went to war, uh, went and fought in wars. Yeah. So uh, just there's something to be said for that. Just, yeah. a, just a quick little shout mm-hmm. out to the greatest generation. He was a member uh, at Yale University, was a member of the Scroll and Key Society, which mm. is basically like the yin, the yin to Skull and Bones is Yang. It's just it's one of Yale's leading secret societies. 
Yale being the CIA's breeding ground for operatives. It yeah. just they they have a, a history. Which we of, talked about a little bit on our yeah. um co- uh what was that cults? It was a secret society. Secret society. Yeah, episode. we talked yeah. about skull and bones. Yeah, more more so than the other Ivy League schools. Obviously, the Ivy League school aspect is you know the influence and wealth and power. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to try to get those people into the fold of your intelligence oh, yeah. agency. Mm-hmm. But Yale also has a history of slightly more conservative leanings amongst the Ivy League schools. Yeah. So. It has a history of being a breeding ground for future CIA operatives, which is kind of where I'm going toward the end of this. Cord Meyer was married. Okay. He married a woman named Mary Pinchot. Mary Mary Pinchot was from a similarly affluent and influential New York City family, uh, though hers had numerous socialist ties. Oh, Uh, Her father was a lawyer and a key figure in the Progressive Party, which was the uh, preeminent uh, socialist organization of the era. He funded the socialist magazine, The Masses. In college, Mary herself became very deeply interested in and would participate in uh, various uh, communist organizations. She went on to become a pacifist, a journalist, and a member of the American Labor Party, which was the uh, country's biggest socialist organization. The two met, Cord and Mary, that is, while Meyer was recuperating from the wounds that he sustained on the battlefields of Europe. Yep. And they bonded over their shared pacifist views, which Meyer himself had recently just come by, having Having, witnessed firsthand the horrors of war and, you know, thinking there, this can't be the way there has to be any means necessary to prevent anything like that from happening ever again. Yeah. So... Here's a little timeline for you in okay. the years that follow. <clears throat> I love timelines. This is good. Meyer is on the fast track toward a uh, pretty significant career uh, at this point. In the As, CIA? Uh, at various uh, agencies and organizations. Okay. Okay. Just given his family's connections. Like, right. He's basically, whatever he decides to do. His family's connections. The fact succeed. that he's a war hero. He's, he's going to yeah. succeed and he's going to be very powerful in very a very short period of time. Makes sense. Okay. So fast forward a little bit. 1953, Senator Joseph McCarthy, you know, McCarthyism, the uh-huh. Red Scare. Yes. Senator Joseph McCarthy publicly accuses Cord Meyer and his wife, Mary Pinchot, of being communists. Okay. Pu- okay. Publicly accuses them of both being communists. Calls them out. Gets squashed a little bit by Meyer's ties to the CIA at this point. He's kind of like a low-level operative in the CIA, or a mid-level operative in the CIA at okay. this point. M- McCarthy's comments just kind of go away on their own. Okay, they're they're okay. never really substantiated. They're never like outwardly Taken too denied. Seriously. Right. They just right. kind of go away. Yeah. Basically. All right. And eventually Joseph McCarthy accuses someone more famous of being a communist and everybody forgets about this. Okay. The next year, 1954, Cord Myers named the head of the Directorate of Operations, the smallest and most clandestine arm of the CIA. Okay. Wherein he gets his own branch of the CIA, essentially. Um, right. whose sole, sole purpose is counterterrorism. Okay. Okay. And a, as it pertains to the Soviet Union. Right. And the communist Soviet Union, just to tie that together. Yes. Uh-huh. Less than yes. a year after being accused of being, of a, being communist a communist himself. 1954, Cord and his wife Mary get some new neighbors in their Georgetown, D.C. neighborhood. 
John F. Kennedy and Jackie Onassis move in, move in directly next door to the hmm. two, and the couples strike up a very friend, very friendly friendship with one another. Okay. 1956. Very sadly, Cord Meyer and Mary Pinchot's nine-year-old son is hit and killed by an automobile. Right. The driver of the automobile is never identified or found. 1958. Cord Meyer and Mary Pinchot divorce. Two years after their child dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not uncommon. Right. Shortly thereafter, a man named James Angleton, who was the husband of one of Mary Pinchot's closest college friends and also happens to be the counterterrorism chief within the CIA, uh, is on record as admitting to having Mary Pinchot's phone wiretapped. Ooh. Okay. October of 1961. Mary Pinchot visits her old friend John F. Kennedy and the relationship shortly thereafter becomes intimate. As recounted in her diary and substantiated by her brother-in-law, Ben Bradley, who was then a reporter for Newsweek and would eventually become the executive editor of the Washington Post, as well as on Kennedy's behalf, Charles Bartlett, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist who substantiates the relationship by saying, quote, that was a dangerous relationship. Jack was in love with Mary. He was certainly smitten with her, heavily smitten. He was very frank with me about it, end quote. Uh, October 1963, one month before John F. Kennedy's assassination, he writes a letter to Mary Meyer imploring her to join him for a, for a tryst. The unsent letter, which was written on White House stationery and retained by Kennedy's personal secretary, Evelyn Lincoln, sold in June 2016 at an auction for $89,000. Wow. So Holy this is this is again shit. factual. It this exists. This is a letter that this exists is written by JFK. Right? I'm getting sweaty. Less than one year later, Mary Pinchot herself is murdered, shot twice in point-blank range, once in the back, once in the temple, while strolling alone along the canals of Georgetown, D.C., the richest neighborhood in, at the time, one of the richest parts of the world. Yeah. No crime, no nothing, nothing bad ever happened in Georgetown. Oh, my God. The murder was never solved. Of course not. According to Bradley, he and his wife went to Pinchot's house the day after the murder upon hearing that Mary had kept a diary, which detailed her relationship with John F. Kennedy. Upon arriving at the house, they allegedly saw James Angleton there already in the process of attempting to break into the house itself. Whoa. Bradley initially failed to mention the existence of this diary when he was on trial as a witness in 1965, and it wasn't until his memoir was released 30 years later that he mentions the fact that not only did the diary exist, but that he personally turned it over to Angleton and the CIA to presumably be destroyed. Oh my gosh. What? What on this sweet earth? Pretty nuts, right? That's insane. And that's something that I'm assuming neither of you have heard of before. No. I've never, I have never ever, heard of that before ever either. Heard that. But again, for the umpteenth time of this episode, it's all fact. This is all substantiated. This is all fact. This and is- if it is a circumstance, 
what a fucking circumstance. This Wait, is what all there for the taking. Coincidence? Coincidence, yeah. I know, this right? This is a coincidence. What a fucking coincidence this is. Well, My mind is absolutely blown. So, again, obviously, that, that story was just a little too crazy for me to not completely mention. Oh, yeah. I know that that kind of goes off base a little bit with the deep state. So I'm going to steer it back to the deep state again a little bit as it pertained to uh, Operation Mockingbird, mm-hmm. which was which was his, uh, I'm blanking on his operation. name right now. Cool. Yeah, which was Cord Meyer's yeah. specific operation. Okay. That, was, that was his baby. So many believe that Operation Mockingbird in one way or another not only continues to this day, but that it has been greatly and significantly expanded upon ever mm. since. Have you told us what Mockingbird is yet? Mockingbird is the... Uh, the surveillance? Yeah, Mockingbird is the 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 program to uh, infiltrate the media with, oh right, right, right. With, okay, with okay. C, with CIA plants or paid journalists, paid yes. producers, or uh, by threatening and intimidating uh, those who are not technically a member or, or an operative within the CIA, mm-hmm. um, but coercing through various means the cooperation of various, of various media, media outlets. Okay. So, so that's that's Operation Mockingbird. So, okay. uh, a man named Richard Doty. Which I know that you, I are, know you Richard are familiar Doty. with Richard Doty. Um, for the uninitiated, he is a retired a United States Air Force OSI, Special Intelligence Operative, who was based in the Las Cruces, Roswell areas. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine the things that he has been involved in over, right. over the yes. years. Um, so <clears throat> Have we talked about him before? Yeah, he's yeah. the one who admitted to um, to basically planting alien and UFO evidence yeah. to frame to to make that guy go crazy. To, okay, a, 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 basically, a, I knew this a, sounded familiar. A disinformation yeah. campaign, yeah. feeding, feeding okay. bad intel. Mm-hmm. You know, making it look like to people a leak. to people right. who are getting close, close, yeah. throwing so, them off the scent with with faulty intel. I knew faulty I recognized intel, his and name. then eventually ruining their lives. Yeah. So he has made it a point in his retired years. Um, to speak out to speak out but even he has his limits he is when when pressed on certain topics he, he will say, say that's still pretty classified i can't, i won't talk about that sure so um so now that you know who richard doty is uh in speaking out regarding uh the secret government happenings um you know obvious things like aliens you know basically he states that quote every newspaper television and radio station in the albuquerque and santa fe areas had our snitches in them Every single one, they had people embedded to ensure the controlling of the tone and flow and Jesus. release or withholding of certain information as it came to light through various sources. Uh, the I following guess. that I'm about to you know, recant to you is an exchange that Doty has with Dr. Stephen Greer. Mm-hmm. Who is a, a former ER surgeon and the UFOlogist? UFOlogist, I should say. He's a leading figure in the movement seeking the disclosure of allegedly suppressed government info regarding UFOs and alien contact. It, he's basically this. He's the guy that the Netflix documentary Unacknowledged is about. Yes, that, that's his Love baby. Him. So he asks Richard Doty, "Quote: Do you know of any national media figures working for the Central Intelligence Agency or any other intelligence agency?" To which Doty responds, "Oh yes, I'm not going to name them, but yes, absolutely." Great. So, so there's that. So again, this is, you know, you could poke more holes in that one than most of the things that I've said. You can say this guy's lying. I don't know why this guy would be lying. He's yeah, a what retired. Reason? 
he has really nothing. It's not like he's all of a sudden rocketed to fame by yeah. saying he's not like a yeah. rock star. He's yeah. not rich by well, saying any of this. He's only the, putting his life you know, in danger. If he, was, right. if he was lying, wouldn't he lie about so many other things? There are so many things that he has asked that he's like, I can't talk about that. Why wouldn't right. he just lie about more outlandish shit than this? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So basically, I won't get into the, the Could trying be lying. to... Why? Yeah. 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 I don't really if, you, if you don't want to believe it, don't believe it. That's your prerogative. But it goes deeper than this. This is pretty cool. Some, some, some deep state shit here. So uh, there's a man named Daniel Sheehan, Esquire. Got to mention the Esquire. Daniel Sheehan is a uh, constitutional law attorney, uh, a very prominent one. He uh, asserts that he has basically, you know, he asserts that there are 42, at least 42 confirmed full-time CIA employees or operatives inserted within the major national news media centers with almost all of them labeled as national security reporters. That kind of being the common thread among all of them, that they are reporters on national security, um, where they basically give the intelligence community version of whatever they want the truth to be. Okay. Basically, of any particular instance that is too big for the intelligence agencies to cover up entirely, mm-hmm. but not so big that they cannot, through their operatives carefully placed here and there, control how they're covered. Okay. Basically. And as far as who Daniel Sheehan is, he's basically got a really lengthy history of clashing with uh, the deep state, basically. He kind of cut his teeth in the Pentagon Papers. Which is the true story of the uh, the movie that just came out, The Post? Mm-hmm. Yes, about the uh, the you know the Washington Post and the New York Times receiving this intel that showed that the United States government had expanded their campaign in Vietnam to these covert clandestine bombing and raids in mm-hmm. uh, neighboring Laos and Cambodia, which was not authorized. Basically, mm-hmm. it was highly illegal for them to be doing this, but they were keeping this under wraps. The Post and uh, the Times got a hold of it, and the Pentagon was basically like, this is, again, a matter of national security, Mm -hmm. and if you release this information, not only are we going to immediately deny it, and not only will you be greatly threatening American lives and accountability, but we are going to come after every single one of you, and we are going to ruin you, Mm -hmm. all of you. So. In case you want to go see the movie, I won't tell you what happens. <laughs> but that was that was Saw it already. that was his that was his first big first big thing. He also uh, worked on Watergate and the the subsequent cover up. And now everything kind of leads uh, Daniel Sheehan to uh, the 1984 La Penca bombings as part of the larger and since substantiated Iran Contra affair. Oh. For those of you who don't know the inner details of Iran Contra. At the time, in the mid-80s, Iran, or Iran, I should say, was under embargo. Congress had also simultaneously halted further funding of the Contras in Central America, in Nicaragua. The Contras were a American-friendly right-wing rebel militia who were attempting to throw the sitting-in-power left-wing and Soviet-allied Sandinistas. So the United States trying to hopefully... Uh, fund this militia to overthrow this Soviet sympathetic government and install their own. Again, this is all substantiated. If if you don't know about it, that doesn't mean that it wasn't a thing. Go see the Tom Cruise movie. What's that called? American. Yeah, American Made. American Made. made, uh, It was actually really good. touches on it a little bit for sure. So 
the, the Iran-Contra affair is a CIA-driven effort to subvert both of these things by providing arms to the embargoed Irani government in exchange for, A, the release of seven American hostages being held in Lebanon at the time, and B, the significant off-the-books funds which were you know received for the arms deal, yeah. which were then immediately funded you know, sent to the Contras in Nicaragua, completely bypassing the American Congress, yeah. which had completely halted further funding of the Contra groups. This is in the evidence of the deep state, the intelligence agencies, completely going over the heads of the U.S. government itself and the elected officials to push their own agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, this is all fact. Yep. Ronald Reagan, at the time and after the fact maintained that he had no idea that any of this was going on. He made a very mm-hmm. famous address to the American public saying that, like, I can confidently say that there is no weapons for hostages deal happening. Right. There is, we are not funding the Contras. None of these are all rumors. None of this is happening. It all comes out. It's all true. Yep. Ronald Reagan has, he didn't an, know. has another address saying, like, I told you in the best of confidence and that, that this wasn't true. I believed it at the time. Uh, sadly, information has come to light that suggests that that is not the case. Mm-hmm. So three subsequent investigations, one sponsored by Congress itself, couldn't find a shred of evidence which suggested that Ronald Reagan and the White House and the executive branch knew anything about any of this. Mm-hmm. This is the the deep state. This is the deep state that Dwight D. Eisenhower This is the deep state about. that doesn't... In you know, they don't answer to involve the White House. They don't don't need to involve the president because they they don't even need funding. They will find ways to fund things themselves by shipping money to embargoed enemies at the time Mm -hmm. to get money. Yeah, to then send to allies to dispense of other enemies in the other hemisphere. Yeah. So here's what happens. So Sheehan, upon investigating the Lepenka bombing, his uh, organization, his legal institute, goes after a man by the name of Oliver North. They go after some cohorts of Oliver North, some of his, you know, miscreants basically doing his bidding. So not only is uh, Sheehan and his institute roundly and soundly defeated in court despite overwhelming evidence on their side, mm-hmm. but he himself and his organization are ordered to pay a million dollars in damages and court costs to the CIA for slander. Whoa. The Supreme Court then refused to hear an appeal. And then after that, Sheehan's legal institute was stripped of its nonprofit status, which led to its immediate dissolution and closure. So so don't go after the CIA. Yeah. Oliver North the and Oliver North learned. and his and his cohorts were subsequently convicted of all of the illegal arms deals that Sheehan and his agency initially levied. Yeah. Against. They were convicted of all of these things, but all of their sentences were for whatever reason completely vacated. Every single one of their convictions overturned, vacated, wiped from the books. And Oliver North himself spent the next 15 years at Fox News where he was listed as being, you guessed it, a national security reporter. The exact Um, cover that is allegedly levied upon every single CIA plant within major news agencies. Whoa. 
I've said whoa so much because it's the only <laughs> word I have. I'm just like, whoa. So I've obviously been going for a long time here, but I, I want to bring it on home. Bring it on home. Very quickly with one of my favorite conspiracy theories that exists, and it exists as it pertains to Operation Mockingbird, and that is the belief or the claim that Anderson Cooper himself is a CIA plant. <laughs> yeah, Ashley mentioned this to me. I've never, ever heard this, so tell me more. Well, do you know who Anderson Cooper... Obviously, you know who Anderson <laughs> yes! Cooper is. No, He's who? a delight. I do love you, Anderson Cooper. Do, do you Cooper. know who Anderson Cooper's mother is? No. Anderson Cooper's mother is Vanderbilt. Gloria Vanderbilt. Oh. Who is the heiress How to the know Vanderbilt that? Railroad and basically right. everything New York City fortune. Yeah. Um, she has a net worth of more money than you can possibly billion. Seriously, a billion. Yeah, Wait. Even, even though the Vanderbilts have a fraction of what they used to, it's still a fortune that's valued in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, they're fine. Also, Anderson, yeah. side note. Yep. And that because this has nothing to do with anything. Alex met Anderson Cooper a couple weeks ago in New York. Really? Did he say anything Jesus. about the CIA? He did. Uh, they met in the bathroom and he said, is that stall open? Alex said, I believe so. And Anderson said, I'm in the CIA. That was the conversation. <laughs> that sounds about right. Alex well, we did don't need tell to hear him. your story because. <laughs> well, if, well, if Alex starts mysteriously getting gravely ill in the in the coming days, you'll know exactly now why. Now I'm worried. I'd also about like him. to uh, to just reiterate that this is being recorded on multiple devices. Multiple devices. Right now. Yep. So, uh, as far as Anderson Cooper, he's the heir to the Vanderbilt fortune. Also substantiated, Anderson Cooper spent. And I, I really quickly, I gotta come out here and say that I am in neither camp. I don't believe that Anderson Cooper is a CIA agent. I also don't adamantly, fervently, regardless of any information that could possibly be bought, brought to my attention, deny that there's any way that Anderson Cooper could be a CIA plant. Yeah, It's just one of my favorite conspiracy theories. It pertains specifically to Operation Mockingbird, and I want to fucking talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> So you gonna, go, girl. So I'm going to fucking talk about <laughs> it. Go, I have the microphone in my hand, so you're going to listen to every goddamn word I have to say. <laughs> Tell us, Joe. So Anderson Cooper actually did spend two summers interning with the CIA at their headquarters in Langley, Virginia. Okay. That is fact. That is fact. That right. is fact. Anderson Cooper spent consecutive summers interning with the CIA. All right. He was a member of the Manuscript Society at, you guessed it, Yale? Yale University. Everyone oh. goes to Yale. What? Anderson Cooper. Well, all the people who are involved okay, in things. I was going to say, I, mean. I couldn't get I into Yale. I could never get into Yale. Go okay, on. continue. W went to Yale. Lots of people went to Yale. Okay. I know. We yeah, talked well, about all of went to Yale everybody for from, Everybody from George W. Bush to Meryl Streep went to Yale. We talked about it on the Secret Society episode, like mm -hmm. how deep all the Yale people go. We talked a lot about Contra as well. Um, I know. Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tom Cruise specifically. <laughs> he kept coming up. So Anderson Cooper. Mm -hmm. yes. Handsome guy. He's a very he handsome guy. He is so handsome. He's super handsome. And he's got the best cover ever, right? He's a left-leaning New York City dwelling gay man. Yeah. yeah. The best no cover ever suspect. for a CIA operative. Uh -huh. Yeah, geez. Anderson Cooper has no formal journalistic training. None. What? None whatsoever. He didn't study journalism in college. He has no formal journalistic training. He was a political science major. And yet, immediately upon graduation, he decided that he was going to pursue a career in the field of journalism. That's but why, Anderson? But why? Is this a departed situation? Right. Pull somebody out. Pull well, somebody out. Well, I'll, I'll feed you baby birds. In. Don't <laughs> worry. We're, 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 we're <laughs> oh, 
So, uh, so a lot of a lot of you know the accusers, a lot of the people who assert that Anderson Cooper is a CIA plant, like uh, my man Alex Jones. There, for the record, Alex Jones is not my man. Alex Jones is a fucking nightmare. Alex Jones is is not my man. He is he is the absolute worst. But Alex Jones is like convinced <laughs> so that probably means it's not true right <laughs> but uh but it's fun so they so people point that out you know his no no formal journalistic training mm-hmm. his pedigree where he comes from the fact that he's a yale graduate the fact, the fact that, that he trained numerous, with the cia the yeah. fact that summers. numerous family friends of his are the reason why he interned at the cia in the mm-hmm. first place they got him that job mm-hmm. basically so that's pretty interesting here's another cool little thing so Anderson Cooper's first journalism job, first gig in the world of journalism, was as a freelancer in the 90s for Channel One News. Do you know Channel One News? Oh, yeah. Remember yeah. that? We had to watch it in school. Yeah. It in school. Yeah. yeah. You remember that? It's how we started history That class. was his first journalism gig. Did you know that Channel One News has subsequently been like absolutely trashed by everyone for being like an early form of indoctrination and marketing campaigns? No. It's... Uh, no. Uh, here's... Well, basically, the critics claim that it's a problem in classrooms because it forces them to watch ad after ad after ad. They're laden with commercials. Yeah. yeah. Channel One says, well, we have to have the commercials. It's the only way that we can afford to do this sure. and to put TVs and VCRs yeah, we're not in PBS. classrooms. It's the only way we can afford to do it. In 2006, as it pertains to Channel One, the American Academy of Pediatrics reported that research, all research, indicated that children who were exposed to or regularly watched Channel One remembered the commercials with almost crystal-like clarity, while they remembered vague, at best, details regarding the news segments that they watched. I'd say that's pretty. So they could tell you about every single, pretty much every single one of the commercials that were that they were shown. But they could Nothing. basically they couldn't tell you really anything about any of the news programs. Mm. Maybe you could chalk that up to boredom. Maybe you could chalk that up to subversive mind control. Five more days till Halloween. 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 No one gets that reference. No. <laughs> Way off topic. So, no, it's not. Halloween three is all about. Never mind. Get out. Garrett knows what I'm talking about. What's up, Garrett? So basically. <laughs> Basically, the fact he worked for Channel One News, it's not insignificant because they have come under significant fire as yeah. basically being like a puppet organization. Yeah, to it's just fair to bring it up. Sell, sell con- shit, to sell consumerism, and to brainwash people. Basically, yeah. getting kids in their classrooms. And I mean, it's the schools. same thing. Remember in uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, where they say, "Why do they put um, shoe advertisements right next, like in the newspaper, in the newspaper, to distract women to distract from reading women the from news, reading the yep. news, to realize how shit." their lot in life is yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. so here's an interesting thing about anderson cooper while he's working for channel one news uh despite not being an, an accredited journalist he's a freelancer he has right. no accreditation whatsoever yeah. with channel one news he's able to ch- travel all around southeast asia specifically in myanmar during the student-led uprisings against the burmese military controlled government uh-huh and when pressed about it Anderson Cooper says that he received help from, quote, a friend in forging a press pass. So, could be true. Okay. Could but be. Uh, could maybe be not. that the CIA <laughs> gave him a press pass. Could yeah. be. I. It would probably be really hard for someone without accreditation to travel around a country that is controlled pretty much exclusively by the military. Yeah. With a forged press pass. 100%. 
especially when you're not there like with an accredited news organization yeah mm-hmm. like abc and BBC. Exactly. Yeah, you're there and you're and like oh I'm you're there and you're like hi i'm here for an american children's school children's yeah. news Channel program one. do you mind if i watch you machine gun these college students here and they're like no by all means the more the merrier god knows we have a free media in this military controlled country so that raises some flags for, yeah, a, lot, a, for a lot of people. He then subsequently, with these same credentials, the same forged credentials, was able to travel around Somalia during all of Somalia's 90s nightmare, Bosnia, Rwanda, mm-hmm. basically anywhere where there was genocide, he was unrest, civil war. There's Anderson Cooper with his forged press pass Somehow getting working access. Working for a children's TV show. So, it's working very for a fishy. children's TV show. Someone, it's a news organization. I'm not trying yeah, to belittle no, no. it to the yeah, point. But, that, but it's know. a news program that is almost exclusively geared toward providing news updates for children. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So, so that's fishy for a lot of people. He never seemed to have any difficulty in gaining access to any of these regions. Yeah. Then in 1995, Anderson Cooper becomes a correspondent for ABC News. He works that gig for about five years. After working that gig for five years, he mysteriously leaves to host a reality TV show called The Mole, which is kind of funny given the title of the TV right. show. Right. But it really doesn't have anything to do with espionage. It's yeah. just kind of like a, a funny little a funny like, coincidence yeah. that the name of this. But he, <laughs> he leaves hilarious. broadcast news to host. A reality TV a show. A reality TV show for understand. a year that happens to be called The Mole. Interesting. After a year, he makes the decision to return to broadcast news, this time returning at CNN Mm -hmm. as a featured correspondent and part-time fill-in host for their various news programs. He also made that return to CNN less than four months after the attacks of 9-11. Anderson Cooper, after leaving to go into broadcast TV, kind of out of nowhere, Seemingly for no reason and for an incredibly brief period of time, he returns to broadcast news in the wake of September 11th. Again, not trying to draw any correlations or distinctions. It's just Just how the dates lined up. That's just how the dates lined up. Um, And obviously, ever since, he's had a pretty meteoric rise through the major media ranks, even to the point in 2016 where he himself was moderating a presidential debate. Mm Mm-hmm. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Also, if you saw so, him with, what was the other guy's name? Andy Cohen. Andy Cohen. Andy Cohen's basically Andy like, Cohen's listen like, up. Listen and, up. Cooper, and he's Anderson like, Cooper's I'm in the like, CIA. I, cannot, I am the Manchurian candidate. Holy fucking When you think about the fact that, you know, when he was leaving office in 1961, Dwight D. Eisenhower, who wasn't just a two-term president of this country, he was the supreme commander of the Allied forces in Europe during World War II. So this is a man who not only cut his teeth, but made a name for himself and paved his way to the presidency by being a military man, a career military man, a West Point grad, everything that comes along with a career in the military. Mm -hmm. In his farewell address in 1961, 
he warned the American public of the growing military-industrial complex in his exit speech, alluding to their growing influence and the influence of arms makers and intelligence agencies who were separate from and not beholden to elected officials, basically the people who stood to gain the most from armed conflict and the increasing need for weapons. Companies like Halliburton, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, Raytheon, defense contracting firms. This is a sitting president who on his way out as a former general is telling everybody these guys are getting more powerful. This is my last chance to tell everybody that they are getting to the point where they are almost beyond reproach. Mm -hmm. The key to America being the country that we just fought for 15 years ago in World War II, the key to staying that country is to do everything we can to keep these people in check. And, and that to, was how many years ago? That was 40 years ago now? That was 1961. Now? Yeah. So that so, was 57, 56 years ago. Yeah, it, we're mm-hmm. here now. And oh, we've been here for yep. a long time. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. just wanted to bring it full circle. Yeah. Uh, one of the companies that he warned of in that farewell speech is uh, Northup uh, Grunman. Okay. No, I'm sorry, Northup Grumman. Um, who uh, helped to send just today, just helped to send Elon Musk's SpaceX rocket Will. into orbit, which has uh, you know more power and more payload and more capacity than any rocket that has ever been sent into space, yep. which mm-hmm. means more and bigger surveillance satellites, yep. things of that nature. So 100%. the influence and the power... And the uh, lack of accountability is only growing by the day. Mm-hmm. And, and the distraction and of, and we here, put a car on it. Yep, with the distraction yep. of, isn't that funny? We put a Tesla on it. Mm-hmm. But it's but in the, the, the greater distraction of turning, turning everything, everything that affects this country into a Democrats versus Republicans debate. Oh, yeah. oh, the Democrats are the bad guys and the Republicans are the good guys or the Republicans are the bad guys and the Democrats are the good guys. No, these are the party of good people and yeah. those are the bad guys and they believe this. And yeah, you keep us arguing with each other. We're not going to turn on keep you. Us, yeah. Keep us fighting amongst ourselves. Then we're never going to look at our, you. About our arbitrary our arbitrary political parties yep. that already can't get anything done because yeah. the system of checks and balances that are in place between Congress and the executive branch, mm-hmm. the, the the overwhelming majority that is needed to actually get anything passed. Look at the difficulty the Trump administration is having passing legislation yeah. despite having the White House and both chambers of Congress. Right. That's how difficult it is to get anything done in our form of government in this mm-hmm. day and age. And we keep arguing amongst ourselves about how if we could only get the super majority then we could get this done and then meanwhile the NSA and the CIA and God knows what other intelligence agencies in that, this we country, that we yeah, don't even know about that we don't even know about like exist, the American public no didn't idea. know about the NSA for the first 23 years of its existence these agencies are just growing in power and scope they're beyond reproach they don't answer to our elected officials. Yeah. They are on it's record so throughout history, throughout the 20th century and now the 21st century of going above the heads of our elected officials to pursue their own agendas, which only leads to more military spending, more money devoted to weapons, more money going off the books, more taxpayer money going off the books. And we keep talking about what Donald Trump is tweeting and the fact that he eats a lot of McDonald's. Right. 
That's terrifying. Well, on that note, on that uh, note, feel free to drive off the fucking cliff. <laughs> gonna go because your life is literally now. meaningless. Jesus Christ! That was a big thing that Julia Davis also mentioned. Julia and Julia, the movie. Uh, yes, from Julia and Julia. Mm-hmm. Um, the whistleblower that I mentioned in the Brittany Murphy story, like part of the reason she was so furious about all of her friends and people attached to her being like under surveillance was that she knew this was all on the taxpayers' dime. That they're just like using all this money to tap Brittany Murphy's phone who like is not going to do anything but they put all this energy towards it and it's like yep we're all paying for that for her to be wired when nothing's going on I don't know when nothing's just going on or maybe I, something was going on the thing I mean, is, it is like been, you know I've never heard of um, Julia Ma- what is her name Julia Davis Julia Davis I've never heard of Julia Davis I've heard no, of Brittany Murphy have you ever heard of Mary Pean show no I'd never heard of her. Mary Pean Show, a, a woman who... And I, I've read 112263, bitch. I, you, you have no idea the amount of stuff that I begrudgingly left out of that story because I knew I was already going to be talking for 45 minutes straight. Yeah. yeah. The stuff that I left out, there was stuff regarding Timothy Leary, who mm-hmm. knew Mary Pean Show, who who said that he believed that and had evidence to believe, given conversations he had with Mary herself, that she was trying to convince... John F. Kennedy about the benefits of psilocybin, you know, psychotropic drugs. Yeah. Um, you know, mind altering this, that, and the other. You know, she was she was well, in, she was even... in his ear in the same way as Marilyn Monroe was allegedly in John F. Kennedy's yeah. ear. I was gonna say but you don't Mary even want to get. was actually connected. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She wasn't just an actor. She like on both sides of her family by via her ex husband. Mm-hmm. Who had a role within the CIA? Yeah. Her colleague, her college best friend's husband, was the director of the CIA's right. counterterrorism unit. Yeah, and she, she was has deeply a connected. Documented romantic affair with the president, who writes to her suggesting that they get together again a month before he's murdered, and then less than a year later, she is She's murdered. murdered. Right. Neither of the murders are ever solved. Mm-hmm. No big deal. I mean, you, and then you know. She was murdered because she was connected and she was intelligent and she knew what she was doing. Marilyn Monroe, if you go for that conspiracy theory, she was killed because she didn't know how serious it was. Yeah. And she knew things that she, she wasn't a, she supposed made a to know. To the wrong people. She made a threat right. to the wrong people and now she's gone. Yeah, that's I think that's a misconception about <sighs> the the, you know, the conspiracy theory surrounding Marilyn Monroe herself was that Yeah. Was that the Kennedys had her killed? You no, know, it's. I mean, the the more the, the more that you one learns about it, the the deeper one goes. It sounds like that was something that was completely about, yeah, like carried out by like the government. Marilyn or Monroe was by, going yeah. to blab about something that John F. Kennedy had discovered yeah. that subsequently got him killed, and then possibly he sp- shared that information with Mary Pinchot, which got her killed. And then eventually people stopped asking questions because bodies kept turning up left and right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And here we are, you know, almost 60 years later, still, no still wondering who yeah. killed any of these people. Still complete mystery. That's crazy. It's nuts, right? Yeah. No, it's absolutely bonkers. insane. It's I mean, I know that you said you had, there's so much more that you could talk about. So 
You have no, no idea. idea. I was going to say to our listeners, like, go look some of this stuff up and this stuff uh, get up. ready to say goodbye to your life because you'll just be Googling you know, and Googling and I'll, and I'll try and, and find, I actually found this. I was going to tell you, I found this uh, Ask Reddit thread. You know I love Ask Reddit so I, You've made okay. me love Ask Reddit. I love now. Ask Reddit so much. I found this Ask Reddit thread that is, um, you know how I, was, how I was like, I wish someone would read all... 50,000 pages of the, you know, the Edward Snowden, you know, declassified documents and then tell me what the cool shit is because I don't want to read all of it. Yeah, give me the cliff notes. There's an ask Reddit thread where someone did it. Yeah. And it's like, what's the most interesting declassified, um, uh, uh, things that have come out since then or ever, um, that you know of. And, and that's where I got some of the conspiracy theories I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah. Is from this Ask Reddit thread that I, I didn't love know that about. someone so it's, did that. I'll, for fi- us. <laughs> I'll find it and I'll post it on like our Patreon page and yeah, stuff. So please do. Um, so another thing we wanted to talk about is conspiracy theories involving a place, a place, a place that you can that you fly can into. go to. What fly does that mean? Pray tell. Has anyone ever flown into the Denver International Airport? You know what? I have I once, have. and I will tell you, it was. My favorite airport I've ever been to. I really like it. Yeah. You know why? Ter- Why? Terminal, Food? Terminal B, baby. You can smoke. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, well, a, that's a, not non- the reason I enjoyed I'm it. I'm a non-smoker now. Uh-huh. But, <clears throat> but when you were a smoker. Not not too terribly long ago, I was a smoker, and a layover in Denver meant that I could have a smoke without going through TSA. I actually didn't know that. Me either. Um, I just like it because the last the one time I did have to fly through there, I st- I had like a two and a half hour layover, which is the longest layover I've, layover I've ever had, and I was not looking forward to it, and it actually being it ended up being awesome because I went to this like really nice restaurant and got a really big glass of beer and a cheese and meat board or cheese and fruit board or something and I ate like the whole thing and then the rest of my flight back to LA I was farting like a mother I just everyone else on planes the entire way home anyways it was great I loved it Go no, on. it's a cool airport. <laughs> it has lots of really cool art installations, some of which we'll talk, we'll about, talk about as part of a conspiracy theory, but some of them are just genuinely really cool. Yeah. And the shuttle that takes you to different terminals and different spots in so the airport convenient. is amazing. It's actually kind of fun to ride because it goes so fast and it rides past like these cool light installations. It's mm-hmm. a funky, interesting airport. So I really enjoy it as well. But there are some theories about some it. Some people, however... <laughs> Um, so the Denver International Airport opened back in 1995 and even before it opened, people were like, what? So it's been, <laughs> wait, I'm wait, hold really on. quickly. <clears throat> yes. Well, um, what were people? What like? were they like? Um, so people were like, what? Oh, <laughs> oh okay. yes. I'm All familiar right. with that All emotion. Right. Yeah. Sorry so it's been confusing people since its birth. And uh, one of the most confusing things to people in Colorado and Denver specifically was that there was already another airport when it was decided this was going to get built in the late 80s. It was called the Stapleton Airport, which is now closed and is housing and restaurants and all right. this other stuff but people thought this was a perfectly good airport so mm-hmm. that kind of and also rubbed people the wrong way the denver airport is not anywhere near 
Yeah, and that was the Denver? other thing. Denver, Stapleton, <laughs> Stapleton I Airport. In for the first time, it's it insane. Was like, like a Dumb and Dumber moment. It was like, wow, the Rockies are a lot flatter than I imagined. <laughs> it's like all farmland. It looked like Nebraska. Yeah, and Denver's realized, full of shit, man. And then I realized it was because I wasn't anywhere near Denver. Yeah, no, it's crazy outside of it. Stapleton was right near downtown Denver, so it was so convenient. It was a perfectly good airport, and then all of a sudden the city was like, hey, uh, this new one's going up nope. really far away, and really far yeah, away, really far and it's going to be super inconvenient. And we're also going to call it Denver. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you also have to pay a toll to get to the airport? I have no idea. Oh, gosh, okay. I'm pretty sure that you have to pay a toll to get like the direct route to the airport. Is There's a toll road, which is like, that's not fair. That's pretty to bullshit. the airport? Yeah, yeah, it makes it even worse. Anyways, so yeah, people on. were mad about it. They were frustrated for all of these reasons. Um, but the defense kept being like, oh, there's going to be so much more space. Like we had to make it further away because it's going to be huge. But and I'm sure that Stapleton wasn't space. an international airport. It wasn't. It yeah. only had a few airlines. It was pretty small. And people would say that the wait times and the lines are really long. So it wasn't like the most convenient. But this still seemed crazy and the denver airport was claiming that it was going to be huge but goddamn, is it huge it's, it's so enormous huge. it is twice the size of manhattan i found out i read what what twice the size of manhattan no that can't be yeah that can't be continue i'm looking at joe because i was saying no, i was it's expecting fine. i don't i don't know like... i'm just i'm i'm very surprised to hear that i have no hey, information google it listeners like... google it maybe it was an incorrect article but i and also we can include our sources for our patreon for sure i do i'll show you where it says it and the airport was um two billion dollars over budget mm-hmm. um not to mention this airport has insanely creepy decor and installations that make no sense didn't they also go like 16 months over construction yeah they went over time yeah and because well i'll get to that in a second like okay. some of the weird stuff that happened while it was being built um okay so I want to get into some of these theories that are surrounding it now that you know a little bit about it. Went way over budget, took way too long to build. It's so huge and it's weird looking. So one of the first theories is that it was built by Nazi group, the New World Order, which we've talked about yes, on this podcast have. before. Um, some conspiracy theorists point to the fact that the airport was built by a mysterious group that no one's heard of before. And on the dedication plaque outside the airport, it says it was funded by the New World Airport Commission, which is not a thing that exists. So they thought it was the sneaky little name that the New World Order was giving Wait, themselves. So, the, so no one knows who built the Denver airport? I mean, it's claimed that it's a New World Airport. The claim is an organization that doesn't that exist. That is not so, real. So no one knows. No one who, knows yeah. who built it. But what the fuck? Yeah, that group. How do, you, how, how do you build an airport? This and is no one... how conspiracy theories are born because things don't fucking add up, or right. things do add and, up, and and everything. All the powers mystery. that be just try to give you as many as many mm-hmm. frappuccinos and duvets as possible to oh, make yeah. you just go yeah. like, uh, well, and it. also it's on that fine. on Bucket. that plaque, what's for dinner? On that plaque is the um, Masonic square and compass symbol that could attach it to the Illuminati. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. So yeah, that's that's another connection and a weird thing that's on that exact same plaque that says it's the New World Airport Commission. Um, another possibly possible Nazi connection um, is that the runways are shaped like a swastika, which is a little bit of a stretch. If you look at the picture, if you look at the I picture, see, it I looks totally a get lot it, like a swastika, but, but it also doesn't. <laughs> well, you I know go why it's, it's shaped that way. 
so that the planes have more room because they're huge planes. Well, they are huge planes, but also because um, it has something to do with uh, the weather conditions where Denver Airport, like, for example, in L.A., when you take off from L.A., you go towards the ocean. And then you turn around Mm -hmm. like that's how you take off. whether you're going, you know, you always take off in the same like direction because of the ocean. Well, it has to do with the wind wind coming off of of the the ocean. ocean. That's just Bernoulli principle. That's just lift. But in Denver, depending on the weather conditions, the runways have to be as such that you can take off in any direction or land in any direction, depending on the weather, which is why it's like a wind it's like, uh, like a fan, almost yeah. like a fan. It looks like shape. a like a it fan kind or of a looks wheel. Like a swastika, yeah. yes, but, but it, there is a reason for there it. is a yeah. reason why the runway has to be shaped that way because they have to be able to take off and land from any direction depending right. on the daily weather. And that's the thing was when so, I was doing this research, like every theory that you can come up with of, oh, well, it has Nazi connections. There was also an article saying, no, the runways were built because of this. So it's like, right, you can go either way. We're just again, we're having again, fun. We're pointing some things out. These are just uh, what people believe. Um, so the swastika runways that are like not really a swastika, but it, it looks similar. Um, and then also inside the airport, there are so many weird paintings. And a lot of theories are saying that one of the murals that's very famous, it's all over the internet, you may have even seen it yourself if you've flown into Denver, there is a huge mural that they believe is representing America submitting to Germany because it shows in one of the pictures a Boy Scout handing a boy in Bavarian clothing his weapons. And there's also an officer in a Nazi-like uniform wearing a gas mask and like causing death in his wake. What? Yeah. Yeah. What? It's like crazy stuff. And I'm gonna get huge. to more it's art. This is like huge man mural. in a high castle shit here. Yeah. Where it's like, oh my god, did we lose World War Two? Yeah. Yep. If you landed in the Denver airport, you're gonna be confused as to whether or not we won the war. Yep. Whoa. It's crazy town. Yeah, it's I'm gonna get weird. to more of the art in a second, but I want to get back to the Illuminati thing just for another second. Um, and that square and compass symbol being on the plaque. Another thing that points to the Illuminati is that. The date of the airport's dedication when that plaque was presented was March 19th, 1994. And again, this is like a stretch, but cool. If you add the numbers 19 and 1994 together, 1 plus 9 plus 1 plus 9 plus 9 plus 4, you get the number 33, which is the highest level one yes. could achieve in Freemasonry. In Freemasonry, we talked about that. it represents perfection. Yes. So that's interesting. Yeah. So the theory around that is that that extra $2 billion, I think it might have even been a little over $2 billion, um, went into the building of the Illuminati's headquarters underneath the airport. And here's where that extra time comes into play. When the airport was first built, somehow there was a screw up and the first five buildings that were constructed were incorrect. Their placement was off and they were told like, these are wrong. But instead of tearing them down or getting them out of the way, they were buried underground and then they just built more on top of these five buildings. So they're still underground. They're Could still be buildings a underground. a giant secret layer for somebody? I don't well, know. Well, it's definitely a secret thing of some kind. Oh, for sure. Yes. What what it is couldn't possibly tell exactly. you, but that's just not how things are that's done. That's just not how things are done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's also, I don't want to step on your toes. No, there's please. also theories that um, the underground uh, underneath the airport is actually fallout bunkers yeah 
for the elite, for for the rich, for, for when the nuclear holocaust comes, for when the zombie apocalypse, <clears throat> nuclear holocaust, what what Cooper's have you? Going. It is exactly. It's an international airport that supposedly houses, and you know, if it is in fact almost the size of or larger than Manhattan, with a with buildings underneath it, a potential bunker for rich and powerful crazy and that's actually a different underground part like the five buildings isn't exactly the same thing as what they think is the shelter really this is another thing that was built oh my god there were underground tunnels built way underground as well and they were supposed to have this really fancy automated automated baggage system but the system never worked they tested it and tested it for months it never got up and running but instead of saying okay well, we'll use the space for something else because it's huge, long, crazy tunnels. It just got left there and nothing is down there. And it's just tunnels that aren't being used, but that's where they think Supposedly it's a aren't being used. Yeah, supposedly aren't being used. Well, it could be used to transport people down the tunnels into like yeah. those buildings. And the, the only thing that I've heard is that the airport tries to explain away those tunnels by basically doing like the Disneyland thing. Like, mm-hmm. well, that's where our employees, like that's how they, you know. They get around. Get around mm-hmm. the airport. And it's like, you're not fucking Disneyland. They don't take exactly. off their mouse mask. <laughs> To travel like throughout the airport, taking off their airport uniform, riding around a golf cart. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm so I, I'm, I have to. He's look looking up, up these the murals. Manhattan side. Oh, the no, murals. I'm looking at these murals because oh, they're pretty bonkers. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Why would you put this at an airport? Yeah. So besides the murals, um, to come back to the art. So yeah, there's these could be underground bunkers. Also. People have said maybe that's where aliens and lizard people. Lizard live people as well. for sure live down there. Like I'm I knew not. You'd you like can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> Alex Jones no, has seen the li- the lizard people. I've seen the lizard people. I've seen videos. He's seen them. An entire army of frogmen who are just in excruciating pain, being held by the government. Oh, it actually sad. it actually brought Alex Jones to tears. Oh my! Wow. Those poor he reptoids. Cried. It's the highest rated Infowars episode. Oh my gosh! Wow, Alex Jones. <laughs> anyway go on okay so lizard people aliens underground bunkers for people in high political status well there are like uh you know there are like little graffitis there are like little alien graffitis down there which a lot of people there's a lot of graffiti down there but yeah and a lot of people who have been interviewed who work at the airport say like because they know there are so many theories around the airport, they kind of like to have fun with it. And so yeah, why not? they've drawn alien pictures. One time a tour, like they allow media tours to go down into those tunnels. One time a tour was going by in a golf cart. So a couple of airport employees put lizard masks on Hilarious. and like made it a thing. So I'm like, love the people of the Denver airport. No I would, kidding. I'd work there. I would enjoy it too. Um, I'd work there. I would work there. To come back to the art. I bet. Let's go wear lizard masks. Um, Okay, so some more creepy art. Outside of the airport, there's a 32-foot tall statue of a giant horse with fiery glowing red eyes. What's his name? Blue Mustang. (laughs) Blucifer. Blucifer. (laughs) That's Have you seen this monster? No. That's another one you should look up, Joe. Look it up. Right now? It's yeah, terrifying. the giant statue outside of the Denver airport. It's Listeners, Blue get out your cell cellular phones. Blue Mustang? Look yep. up Denver Airport Blue Mustang, the it was, statue outside of the um, Denver airport. It was created by sculptor Luis Jimenez, and even creepier, it murdered Luis Jimenez. It killed Jimenez. him. 
it fell on him and severed an artery in his leg. Isn't that crazy? It's it's got glowing red eyes. Glowing red eyes. <laughs> and it murdered its creator. And it murdered its creator. And it is like what you see when you go to when the you're Denver pulling airport. up. You're like, "Welcome to Denver Airport." Oh, hi, Death. Like, what why? The fuck. <laughs> this is so enjoyable for I me know. watching Joe discover this. <laughs> Can you believe it? No, I can't. I just like. Here's the thing, like I just don't, I just can't wrap my brain around it. About around like about, why? About why exactly? Like any any number of of reasons as to why any of this sh- the murals and the statue, Joe, and the, the burying of buildings. Like yeah. there's no logical explanation for any of this. Wait, wait till you hear about the gargoyles. Oh. The big theory that I've heard about Lucifer is that people think they tie it into like the Freemasons and, and Illuminati and stuff. They think that he represents one of the horse from the Horsemen of the Apocalypse. There's lots of apocalypse connections. A lot of apocalypse Denver connections. Denver Airport mm-hmm. as well as hiding bunkers. Um, for the apocalypse? For the apocalypse or for crazy. who knows? Who knows what? Inside the airport, there are some more fun murals. There's one of a devil jumping out of a suitcase, as well as a statue of Anubis, the ancient Egyptian god of death. And near baggage claim, there are gargoyle statues called the Notre Denver gargoyles. And they're actually really cool. They but are cool. Why? This is a fucking airport. <laughs> like, where's duty free? Where's Hudson News? They're there too. Like, what? What is? What is this? This? Just this pall of this, Anne. this pall they of do. death and the apocalypse that hangs over this airport. <laughs> oh, Joe, you're my because favorite. You, this you, moment. You brought up the Denver airport, and I was like, "Yay, smoking." You be- <laughs> You can smoke there, and it's like, but it's also the the it's ground zero for the fucking apocalypse. I'm dying. Oh my god! You can gosh. smoke there. They you even got eat, me. You can cheese. They you even can eat cheese and fart you your can whole eat, way home. You can cut the cheese, and then you can cut the cheese. Oh god! You want a cheese board? What about oh. some Nazi propaganda? <laughs> you get it all in one. You I just want to make my connecting flight. I don't need to look at that shit. I'm tired. I'm probably taking a red eye. I don't need to look at Very any true. SS fucking murals. Oh my god, this is too much. We shouldn't have done this. We shouldn't. Have, we shouldn't have done this episode. I'm still going. I'm still Joe's going. Joe's never gonna sleep again. We're not even done with the airport. So there's a mural that people have referred to as the biological warfare mural, and it's the one with the man in the gas mask. That's the one I just saw and was yeah. like, what the it's fuck? He's insane. got a sword and yeah. a machine gun in each hand. And there's like women laying on the ground, like trying to shelter their children. Like it's crazy town. And it's so bananas. fucking airport. I yes. Know. Like there well, isn't like if, if you put that in a in a school, it wouldn't be less out of place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. It's almost like the murals in uh, in uh, the parks department, <laughs> the yeah, yes. building how oh, they're so yeah. ridiculous. You know, I it's almost, almost like they're, like they're trying it. to tell us something. It's mm. almost like they're trying to tell us that this place is a bunker for the apocalypse. It's almost uh, and yeah. that it's going to happen, and it's yep. going to happen exactly as it's portrayed on the murals because we've been in contact with the extraterrestrials since 1947, and we have seen our own future. <laughs> Joe, Joe's this, kind this of is going. So Joe's much kind of losing it. Ever, I know. So this is how people lose everything. This is how people lose Listen, their jobs I and their more. families, and because it's happening to me in real time right now. I have four. Okay, so on the ground in front of this biological warfare mural, there is a little golden colored symbol on the floor. 
It's on a little golden mine cart. It's like a little outline of it. it looks like a tiny mine cart that might have like gold being carried in it. And it's in like gold color. And on the cart, it says A-U-A-G, which are the periodic symbols for gold and silver. So you could just kind of be like, okay, whatever. But then here come the conspiracy people. Yes. Who say this meaning should be called into question when you learn that one of the founders of the airport also discovered a new deadly strain of hepatitis known as Australian antigen, also known as AUAG. It has been rumored that AUAG could be a potent weapon in biological warfare, and this symbol is sitting directly in front of the gas mask man. <laughs> Joe's crying, I think. What the fuck? <laughs> Here's so the thing, Joe, I'll, right now. I know this is bad radio right now, but I like I don't know what to say. This is how I felt when you were speaking. I was speechless. What? Okay, here's the thing. We're not saying that this is any of this is real. I like, am. That, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm just saying, <laughs> we're not saying that this is I what am now. is happening. But the coincidences just there's too many of them. I don't. I don't need. I don't need the Denver airport to be anything. I don't need any of these conspiracies or theories about the Denver airport to be true for my mind to be any more blown than it is that these things exist at an international airport on American soil that these murals and the giant blue Mustang with the glowing red eyes Mm -hmm. and it's 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 just so out of place and random and it's whatever it is, whatever the explanation it is, isn't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. If it's like, oh, it's oh, it's big misunderstanding. It's actually this. I'd be like, oh, well. You, change it. You need to change this right, right. fucking now. Because weary travelers are passing through here. Totally. And they shouldn't have to look at your mural of gas masked men with machine guns and, you know old-fashioned aladdin swords Mm -hmm. while children and women you know huddle and and cower in 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 the face of 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 a chemical strike that's painted on a wall of a fucking airport yeah no and that's the thing is like i said as i was reading all the conspiracy theories like for every point there was this website that was like hi we're the rational people and they were trying Mm -hmm. to explain it all away and again with the runways with some of the things you're like Okay, I can. I guess I can kind of get on board with this, but with the art, Explain everyone was just kind of like, mural. "Oh, the artist like was trying to show like we can overcome death and come together." Yeah, peacefully. it was supposed to be like. A, I was like, "No," because like the final mural is everyone like coming together. Hitler? Yeah, what? Hitler lives, and he went back to art. He was like, "World conquest didn't work for me. I'm going to be an artist again, mm-hmm. and I'm going to start with the Denver airport." <laughs> Honestly, if I found out that like you know, boys from Brazil was true. And that Adolf Hitler was successfully cloned and that some little artist boy was raised in Argentina mm-hmm. and then came to this country and painted that mural. I'd be like, well, that makes sense. Look well, at, that makes look, a look, lot of look, fucking look, sense. Look at the fucking mural, mural. Yeah. Okay. I just have a couple more things. Please. I know like you're getting, you're getting excited over there. Okay. I'm almost done. Okay. Some of the art has been removed. I could not find anywhere which ones, but I guess some of the things have been removed. I'm hoping it's the Nazi in the gas mask because Jesus Christ. But before it was all removed, the mural, if you looked at it in order, um, it was basically gas mask man, then children in front of a burning city crying over caskets and dead animals. 
then children gathered around large weapons, and then at the very end, everyone giving the weapons away and celebrating that they were all happy and like doves were flying above them to peace. symbolize peace. Yeah. Um, and so people are thinking that when you look at this in order, it looks like it's depicting mass genocide followed by a more harmonious world with less people and less weapons, which is exactly what the New World Order wants to happen. All we have to do is kill six and a half billion people. Yeah, the, right. the, we, a huge thing with the New World just, Order is population. Yeah, population, yeah, population control. control. Yeah. And then my last little thing. So I was looking at this um, article on the Chive, I believe, where a guy was just like posting photos of him next to all the murals, basically going, what? Why? And it was really funny. And at the very bottom, after he posted all the pictures, he signed his name and then he did two updates like a couple months later. And I thought the updates were interesting. So he came back a couple months later and said, President Obama was in Denver September 27th, 2011, when Comet Elenin passed by the Earth, barely missing us by 22 miles. Some say that if the comet would have struck Earth, it would be back to the Stone Age for all of us. Nonetheless, there was a chance it could have hit, and President Obama was conveniently ushered to Denver, which in my opinion adds more to the existence of not only a military bunker, but also the largest, most advanced bunker in the U.S., because why would the president go to some half-ass bunker? And then the second update, a couple Goddamn. months later, he said, just got a weird phone call on my work phone that said government affairs on the caller ID. And as soon as I answered, they hung up. So if this post disappears for some reason, you know why. Should we release this episode? I know. Now I'm <laughs> I am now 100% convinced that I am going to get murdered. Should we? If if something happens to us, if we get sick, if we disappear, don't you if let we them are in a car accident, this away. No. I am fucking healthy. I am healthy I am as a whole. Strong. I have never been more healthy in my entire fucking life. And I'm on yeah. antidepressants, so I won't kill myself. And None my car is new, guys. and I just got it. You know, I just filled up on gas, and I just got to check up. My car is running fine. Yep. Do not. Don't believe let anything. Us We've been murdered. Disappear. Just don't let me have died in vain. <laughs> Please. If we do die, carry on our legacy. Someone <laughs> keep doing this. Someone keep doing this podcast. One, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And two, avenge us. Avenge us, Lauren. That's bonkers. I know. It's right? so that just, fucking that just broke crazy. my brain a little bit. I'm gonna. I, know. I can't believe I have to actually work after this. I just want to sit in a a lukewarm bath and stare at the ceiling <laughs> for the rest of the day. I know. I I know. That's. By far, all the time we have this Jesus. month for oh keep my it God. I know. I probably got <laughs> fired from my job by now. We've been recording so long. I think I missed three shifts while I've been here. <laughs> but what a fun episode! This was Gosh, great. it's just one of those you can talk and talk and talk. Oh yeah, about. I have it's more. Crazy. Um, I just can't that, talk anymore. Like we did with Aliens last season. Do you guys think that maybe we I should could do round come two. on later on in this season? We could do round two. Of I don't see why not because 100%. I struggled to narrow myself to the small topics that I. Well, did I'll today. pick some yeah. new theories and come back to it. That, that sounds, sounds like it sounds like a plan. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening. 
And thank you, handsome, romantic, sexy Joe, for joining us once again. Sexy in there. Well, because you said sexy a lot earlier, so I feel like you could be sexy Joe too. I had so much fun. I've this is this is my third my third trip onto the podcast, Uh and they just progressively get more and more fun. So thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. We love you. Um, everyone, go follow Joe on Twitter at Oaks Joe. Right at Oaks Joe. Yeah, O C H S J O E. If you don't like hockey, you're probably not going to get a ton out of it. But you know what? I could really use the phone. He could use the phone. Help him out. Joe is right, the guy. I'm going to level with you here, our right, listener. Okay, social media, it is the bane of my existence. But for what I'm trying to do, it's a necessary evil. So if you could help me, just get those numbers up just a little bit. Just, a, just follow just him. Just a little bit. You can you help can mute him. me if you need to, so you never see my my dumb stuff. Just please just do be it. a follower. Just, just be follow. a follower for once in your life. <laughs> in don't your be life. a leader and be a be follower. a sheep. Be a damn follower. Bye. Anyways, oh, yours is so much better than mine. Thank you. Anyways, so follow Joe. Um, I even put he posts a lot of hockey stuff, but he's also super funny and sweet, and you should support everything he does. Can you tell that I'm in love? Yeah. Shut up. You guys do this every time. (laughs) Thank you, Joe. My pleasure. Thank you, ladies. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Keep It Weird Cast and our Facebook page, Keep It Weird. Head over to iTunes and give us a five star rating and subscribe Do to it. our show. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel where Do we it. post our weekly news segment. Check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Keep It Weird Podcast if you want to see ways Do to it. donate to the show and help us out. Stay tuned for our next episode on February 23rd, where we take a look at terrifying Tinseltown, Hollywood haunts, crazy Hollywood murders, and other bonkers Hollywood stories, because there's nothing weirder than famous people. Oh. Holly uh, weird. Holly weird. Oh, that's I know, actually- right? That'll yeah. be the name of our episode. Yeah, that's really good. Um, <laughs> Joe, what's our sign off this week? Don't trust the government. Either that or uh, that's how they get you. <laughs> one, one, one of the two. Uh-uh, that's how they that's get you. That's how they get you. That's true. So, don't yeah. trust anybody. <laughs> trust, you know what you trust? You trust your own two hands, goddammit. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Don't trust anybody. It's really fitting that your hair is getting so long and sticking out the side of your hat <laughs> as you're talking. Right yeah, a, as you're that's talking about like, don't trust anybody. Uh-uh, don't trust the government. Uh-uh, that's how they get you. Fingerprints do on your uh-uh. phone. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Tracking your whereabouts. All you need uh-huh. is a toothpick hanging out of your mouth right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. That dog won't hunt. Don't trust the... <laughs> God don't make no junk. God don't make no junk. Don't trust and the government uh, and uh, keep, keep it, it weird, weird, y'all. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Beautiful. Hey, 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 hey. Oh. Oh, I thought we were starting that a, fat a whole song. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Yes, it was. You want me to rap Men in Black again? Yeah, Always. I mean, just because. Just happening. because. Aww. How do you keep something secret? You hide it in plain sight.